Welcome to, I feel like, an anticipated episode of the Offscreen Central podcast. This is basically the it girl moment of the season. We are here to do our final Oscar predictions, um, our winner predictions. My name is Kinsey, and I'm very excited for this episode. I'm joined by the leader of Killian Nation, Jillian. It's so funny it rhymes. Like, it's so <laughs> funny. Like, it makes me, like, I can't believe it every time. How are you doing? How are you feeling? We're headed towards your big day, your big moment, his coronation. I'm excited. I'm speechless. I'm so many emotions. I'm hope- I'm like, what if it doesn't happen? And then I've been like, that <laughs> is happening and then it's not. And I'm like, then I got to delete everything. No, no, no. I know <laughs> I, if it doesn't happen, I know who we blame. Like I will say it off air, but I know who we blame and it is not you. Like I made all the TikToks today. I made all the tweets. I wish I knew how to like edit a fan cam. Cause I had like really good ideas and I'm like, I just don't have the time to like find video and like let let's talk about the art form of the fan cam because sometimes I'm like how do y'all do this like especially when you're watching like an award show and you're like oh that clip will be great in a fan cam and then it already exists like it's already there. Later. I'm like I like I know everyone is so mean about Twitter and TikTok I'm like no these people who make fan cams legit artists like well, I'm like, they should just send out fan. Like, this is how I felt during succession. I was like, they should just send out the fan cams as, like, the like, FYCs. They're <laughs> so good. And, like, I don't need to watch, the- you need to watch the show, but you're like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Especially like, when they do, like, the the music and then, like, the, the dialogue, like, over it and it's, like, mixed in. I'm like, sound mix Oscar? Like, what? Oh, Where like, are their awards? Where are their awards? Um, but- What's really exciting about this episode is another campaign leader is here. Meredith is here leading Wes Anderson to his first Oscar. Finally, Meredith, how are you feeling? I mean, to quote Taylor Swift, it's been a long time coming. Uh, (laughs) I am so excited. And like Jillian, I will be devastated if it doesn't happen. Like, it feels like it's supposed to happen. It's like... Yes, it feels like it's supposed to happen, but I am that something could go wrong. It's the Oscars. I have seen some really weird things happen. So I hold things loosely, but we'll see how it goes. I um, am a Bradley Cooper fan. I can't relate to any of these conversations. Um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, I... I went down with the ship. That's all I can say. Like, I I held true to who I am. Like, I, yeah, like, I, I don't know. It, it's, I feel like a violin player, you know, like on the SS Bradley Cooper. Like, it's been an honor to play with the rest of the many Coopers. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I was, I was thinking about it actually, like, because of Dune and Austin Butler, minus like the men who just hated him and Elvis hating him again. But like pretty much the internet is like, he's so great in Dune. And I'm like, you know, 
this is all I this is all I get. Like, is the opening weekend trending? Like, this guy is great because it doesn't ever go anywhere for me if I like an actor. Um, but I, you know, there are there are other places I will be very excited about next Sunday. Um, we're recording on the second, and I want to clarify that because there are a lot of little guild precursors this weekend. Um. I don't think anything will really change my mind of the categories like for sound and editing. Like it's not unless something like really wild happens. But even then, I feel like I'm sticking to what I'm predicting, to be honest. Um, But we'll note that as we go through. I'm a little I'm a little sad the season's almost over. And I feel like Jillian can maybe relate more so because I feel like normally the movie that like dominates the conversation I never like. And I don't. Like, I love Oppenheimer. I think Oppenheimer is going to be a great Best Picture winner. And I don't, I don't know what's on the horizon for next year. Yeah. Um, So I'm like, I'm going to miss this. Um, But I wanted to propose. We were talking about how the season is so long. Meredith had a really good point. Like, there used to be at the end of February. Like, I feel like the last time we were all felt united was um, Bong Joon-ho winning. And it was like the... The last weekend of February, it was before COVID, like, had really taken over. Like, it was just a time to be alive. And now, you know, it's like March 2nd. We're like a week out from the Oscars. It feels a little drawn out. What if the Oscars went first? What if they were, like, the Golden Globe spot? Like, we got nominations in December, and then the Oscars were, like, the 3rd of January. Okay, I will say... If that were to happen, it would just like take away from everything else, honestly. It doesn't yeah. build the same anticipation. So I'm definitely fine with the Golden Globes being the big party to start things off. But it would be utter chaos if the Academy was like, so the 100th Oscars are going to be on January 4th. And Can you imagine? Just, I would lose my mind. I'd be like, what do we do with this? I feel like we would get really cool winners at like SAG and like everything else and like ba- not BAFTA. I feel like BAFTA would still do whatever Oscar did, but like I feel like everybody else would be like weird, you know? Like that's how Nosferatu wins best picture at something. Like I don't know. <laughs> I tweeted a joke the other day. Somebody was like, uh <laughs> like it's so cool. We're going to have two all-timer best picture winners back to back. And I was like, "Oh, Zone of Interest and Nosferatu." clearly joking and this guy replied to me and was like have you been paying attention to award season at all and I was like no can you fill me in like what's going on like I have no idea I don't have a silly microphone and a silly podcast where I talk about it Jillian is in Jillian Oppenheimer in my phone I have no idea what's going on in award season catch me up I feel like the reply guys have gotten a lot worse this year like this season of oscars it's like i have no idea catch me up catch me up what's going on what's the 411 i should have been like oh is bradley cooper finally winning (laughs) like oh so good um but we are here to go through them all we're gonna go through all 23 categories with our predictions because this year has gone on so long and so many things feel wrapped up i feel like some categories we might honestly just say our prediction and move on somehow that's three out of four acting categories and director and picture which is wild um but there are some that are exciting like i think sound is exciting i think 
lead actress is exciting. I think animated feature is really exciting. Um, so we'll have we'll have some fun conversation. Um, but we're gonna kick off with the shorts, work our way through the crafts, and then the big ones at the end. So um I will start with Miss Jillian Oppenheimer. Miss Jillian Killian. It's just so funny. Um, documentary short. What do you what are you feeling? I'm having an issue here because I'm really split on this one. And I'm just trying to get them all right. And I don't want to make the wrong choice. I feel you. Someone convinced me the last repair shop, which I feel like seems the most likely to happen. Because I was torn between that and is it Nine Eye and Wipo? Wipo? I think that's how you say it. That one I was also, but that one was good. But then I was like, the one that I really liked last year, I feel like the one that I really like never win. It's always I, the worst one. Like, it's always the worst one. But I don't think any of, like, at least three of these could win, you know? Yeah. I'm like, the last repair shop has just been everywhere. There's a lot of billboards for it also. Like, the Century City Mall surrounded by billboards for this. And then there's one on, like, Sunset like Sunset and La Brea. Actually, it's right outside um, Crazy Girls, which is really weird, but like it's this huge billboard for it. And I'm like, I don't, other than that, um, that fucking horrible Apple short last year, what was it? The the boy, the the heron. The boy and the heron. <laughs> the, the boy, the mole, and okay. That was the first time I'd ever seen a billboard for a short film. Like, I was like, what is going on? And then this year, I've seen billboards for, like, eight of the ten between, like, doc and live action where I'm like, what is going on? I, my thing is the Nainai and Waipo, and so sorry if I'm mispronouncing. I feel like that one has a lot of passion behind it, but I'm not really confident in, like, passion working in the shorts categories. Like, I just don't understand what's ever going on with the it's shorts. It's also, like, the ones that I'm, like, oh, they're the most, asset- like, you can watch them on TV. Yeah. I'm, like, they never win. It's always, yeah, like. Yeah, like, this one, you the you can watch that one on Disney Plus. And I'm, yeah. like, there was, like, that big event for it. And I'm, like, okay, like, that feels right. But I'm, like, that, that means it's wrong. And you know what? I, my thing is, I still think it's ABCs of book banning because it's really horrible. Like, the, like the visual style of it. Like, it's just, like, a PowerPoint. Yeah, but like the meaning behind it is so important, and I'm like, are they just gonna do like what they they tend to do, which is just like this is of the moment, like, and that's why I'm going with that one. Okay, uh, not necessarily because I think it's the best one, but because like it's such a of the moment of the times, and like a title like that is very eye catching. I just think like here it's not as much about the best one but the one that's going to draw your attention the most so that's why i went with the abc's of book banning i think that's a good call jillian did you decide between your three? Oh no! come back to me in two days i think i think it's the last repair shop but then i think it's i think it could be the banning one because everyone's talking about it but then it's like i never saw it anywhere like i saw i got emails but i've like the last repair shop and then and then nine i showed up at the oscar luncheon i was like what was the response to that like does that indicate something um 
Uh, so I'm going to go with the Also, last... Barber of Little Rock is in a lot of screenings and Q&As with like celebrities moderating. And I'm like, so what does that mean? I can't. I can't make a decision. You know what's really funny? In my mind, I was like, the only one I can't make an argument for is Island in Between, which yeah. is that's the one that will win. <laughs> It'll come out of nowhere. At <laughs> least probably. I heard of and I was like, at least it's not the island, but it could. It could. It could be the island in between all the other ones in the Oscar. <laughs> okay. Okay. I honestly, you think it's Last Repair Shop? I really feel like it's ABC's The Book Banning just because I don't want it to be done. But the thing is, I do like what it's saying. It's just like, are we evolved past a PowerPoint as a like a film? Like, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. This category is like always the one that like you dislike the least or you like the least. The okay. shorts are also, like you were saying, like you're so close to getting them all right and like however many categories feel like locks. And then like there's three shorts that you could get all three wrong. Like it's really stressful. Like yeah. Yeah. that is yeah. why I actually feel pretty, not pretty good, but like as good as I'll ever feel about a short film for animated short. I think it's War is Over because it's by far the worst one in the category. Like it, it's so bad. Like it's so bad yeah and the celebrity aspect of it like i feel like they'll go for it like i feel like it has two things behind it like it's bad and there's a celebrity tied into it so i'm like that's the one like when people are like oh like letters letters to a pig and i'm like it's not i'm not seeing it when nobody's talking about it the only other one that i feel like people well i feel like people are talking about how unique our uniform is with like the fabrics like being used for like the animation but like that's all I've really heard people talk about. And then like 95 senses, everyone's just like, this one is leagues better than all the other ones. So there's no way it's winning. And I'm like, cool, cool conversation about this category. Yeah, guys. Was, uh, with 95 senses, I'm like, it's too good to win. Yeah. Like that's like Meredith said, it's never the best. It's just like. <laughs> and I also feel like war is over inspired by the music of john and yoko like is additionally just like i don't even have to watch it like if you're like a lazy voter like you're just gonna be like that's the title yeah that's what done with my year of dicks like i really thought my year of dicks was gonna pull it off i still get so sad i still get so sad how like people because i have like i know people in the academy that are like oh i didn't get i didn't get to this category so i had to like just put what i thought of like i didn't get to watch them so it's like what title would someone say like that that one well that's what holds me back with 95 senses because i'm like i feel like it doesn't like it's not like it's not explaining what it is about so and it's not like like, eye-catching i i I really think it's war is over which is so unfortunate but if they said 95 senses i would probably leap from my seat like i would like i don't know yeah i would I am the same way. Like I, I'm going with War Is Over for exactly those reasons. I would be delightfully surprised if it wasn't uh, War Is Over, but just because of the nature of picking something and the celebrity aspect of it, I just, I don't. And yeah, because it is the worst one, someone's it, probably gonna pick it. It's honestly or the academy like, is probably gonna pick like it. it's like when you rank them like personally you're like okay whatever's five is winning like that's the way I feel mm-hmm. um but but I will say for live action short which Meredith gets to predict 
I don't think the worst one is winning. I don't think so either. And I will say as a huge Wes Anderson fan, yes, I am going with the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. Do I think it is his best short from Netflix that he did? No, I think it's actually The Swan or possibly Poison. I agree. But because of the length of it and just the meticulousness of his style, it just works so perfectly. Like him and Roald Dahl is like a match made in heaven. So, and Benedict Cumberbatch and Dev Patel being in a Wes Anderson project is chef's kiss. Perfect. Can't wait for more. So I, I, because I think it's Wes Anderson, it's a filmmaker they have recognized in the past as far as being nominated. This could be his first, this would be his first Oscar. I would love to see my man Wes up there with a gold statue. It's about time. Um, so I'm, I'm all in for him. I will be so upset if he doesn't win, but to make up for the fact that nothing was recognized for asteroid city like this would be consolation enough i really wish netflix leaned in on that like i don't know if they felt like they couldn't because it's like us like like them acknowledging a snub but it just felt like weird that like there hasn't been like a big conversation at least from them like hey it's finally time to reward wes and i'm like that's what i would do like i don't understand like yeah And I was saying, like, there are a bunch of billboards for this, like, all over West Hollywood, which is really cool. Like, I I don't know a lot of studios that are putting out short films. Like, literally, it's crazy. But I think it's like you said, like, Jillian and I went to, like, a a screening for it. It was, like, an Academy screening, and um, Diane Warren was there. Oh, my gosh. But, like, it was, like, I don't know, like, seeing it in a theater, like, the conversation after, like, everybody was, like, this is so great. And, like, Jillian and I aren't even, like, the biggest Wes Anderson fans. And I was, like, this is, like, the perfect dose of, like, everything he excels at. Like, mm-hmm. I really would have put, like, just this short film in production design. We should have had two Wes Anderson films in production design this year. Truly, we should have. But, like, no, we can't have nice things. But... I, I really think this one, I don't know, like, I really like um, Red, White, and Blue, like, a lot, um, but I don't think a lot of people saw it, and I think, like, this is, like, really easy to see, and there was, like, a big conversation around this when it came out, like, I don't know how much say that has, like, in short film categories, but I do think that, like, not from Netflix, but from everybody else, there is the conversation of, like, this is the way we reward Wes Anderson, finally, and everybody feels like finally like no one is like against him having an oscar like i think that like he he's like liked like even if people don't like if they're not like oh he's my favorite kind of filmmaker like people like him um i don't know this is like a cool way to get him an oscar and i also feel like he's one of those people that if he wins a short film oscar maybe like he'll just continue to win them after over and over and over and like the feature length categories because i feel like that's what happens to people's like they get recognized once in like a small way or like people they get like honorary oscars and then they finally get oscars like but i mean like that's what i would have campaigned like do you want him to have to get an honorary one day or do you want to give him a short film oscar and move on like let's go let's go yes. jillian what are you thinking um i'm going with that one too my only like hesitation was like um well they haven't they've nominated him but they haven't given him one yet on other things so like is that just how we 
see him within this like are people Wes Anderson fans so, like that was like my only thought of like overthinking it of like why now and not then um but I just think that's the only one that's really been like in your face out of all these and it's accessible to everyone to watch and you know what's the competition you know like I don't like because I I really do think it's red white and blue but I just don't know if that many people have seen it because like yeah. the other thing is I feel like a lot of people are posting that they're seeing it now and I'm like okay that doesn't no help. yeah like it doesn't do anything like like I got an email to like with a screener link for it yesterday and I was like I hope you sent this to academy members before like a little too late for that yeah it's very weird um moving on to a full-length category documentary feature um which I gotta say I actually we were talking about this before like I felt like the documentaries were kind of weaker this year than in previous years but after watching all five I really love all of these nominees like they're very different and they like represent like different themes that are very important in the last two years so it's really like it's an exciting it just feels like weaker because they weren't like I feel like before we had all these like it was smaller films in the top 10 that were submitted and then like this year it was like dominated by like the Michael J. Fox and then like the John Batiste so it was like all these celebrity ones kind of like taking up the focus but like To Kill a Tiger was the most surprising Oscar nomination and it's literally one of my favorites in the category like it made me horribly miserable for like two days um it's so effective um Jillian what are you predicting to win in this category I have 20 days in Marvel. I think, again, it's just a very timely documentary. It's been really sweeping up um, everywhere and seems to just go along with the trend of, like, what is the most relevant? And I do agree, like, these are all really good. Like, I think the Four, four Daughters would be a really fun uh, win in this category because I think it also really speaks to what we're seeing now with, um, you know, women across the globe of what's happening with them and then I think like it's just a very uh experimental format to go with a documentary but I think just 20 days in Marvel is probably seems the most likely yeah I agree four daughters would be so cool because it's like really like such an interesting format of a documentary and I'm like that's why I won't win because it'd be really cool uh Meredith what are you thinking in this category I actually haven't seen Four Daughters yet, so I'm kind of so I feel like this is as ill-informed of me making a prediction, but I am going with 20 days in uh Marapol, but for the relevance factor of it all. And I also like um 20 days in Marapol, if you're listening and you haven't watched it, it's available on PBS to watch now, um, which I think is really cool. But it is just like it's fucking hard to watch. Like it is so hard to watch. And I think that you do something really meaningful for voting purposes that um I think that if you don't watch the whole thing it's still really effective with like the stories they tell at least in like the first 30 minutes like there are scenes that like literally ruined my life um watching uh and they're like in the first like 30 minutes like it's a really hard watch but um it's really an important watch and I think that's probably why it's on PBS but um it'll be like a really good win especially like I 
feel like documentary recently hasn't always gone with the film that I think is like the most important to the moment or like the most like the best in the category and I I do really think Four Daughters is like the most impressive like filmmaking style of a documentary from these five and I think To Kill a Tiger is honestly my favorite in the category but 20 Days in Maripol will be like a really great like win for the moment and I do think it's like in recent years we've had all these movies that like if you describe them they feel like they're speaking to the moment but then when you watch them you're like this is not actually speaking to the moment and I think 20 Days in Maripol is effectively speaking to the moment and its subject matter so it'll be a great win um moving on to animated feature which I do think is quite a race actually um I think it's between Spider-Man and Boy and the Heron. Um, So Spider-Verse won PGA. It won seven Annie Awards, which I don't think the Annies are always like the best indicator. Like recently they go off a little more, not pop. Like I feel like they do this thing because like Spider-Verse won all seven of its nominations. And I feel like recently, like the one, the film that wins the most awards is just like, the their like the one they lean the hardest on even though like um Nimona was the most nominated but it didn't win like anything so it's like the Annie's are just like a weird indicator but Spider-Verse also won ADG it has the ACE nomination which they're today or tomorrow tomorrow um it has the Cine- cinema audio society awards nomination which is today and then Boy and the Heron won two Annie Awards and it's seven nominations. It won the Globe, the BAFTA. It was nominated for PGA, nominated for ADG. It also has the Cinema Audio Society Award nomination, but it missed AC. Was it nominated? Um, and then Spider-Verse won MBR and Boy and the Heron was on the top 10 list of just all films. So it's really interesting um Meredith what are you thinking an animated feature it's hard um personally between the two I love Across the Spider-Verse more um I do think it is a worthy sequel to Into the Spider-Verse and the leaps that had it made in animation and storytelling was just really unparalleled however this is one of Miyazaki's best films and we don't have him much longer. It's so hard. I am going with the boy and the heron, but I hold that loosely in that I feel like there's a, I really feel like Across the Spider-Verse could win, but I also couldn't see, could see the Academy giving one more award to Miyazaki because this could be his last one honestly like I know he said that he's developing his next animated film which is incredible if we get it but if this is the one he went out on what a way to go it is so moving and stunning should have been nominated for original score as well what a missed opportunity but I rewatched it recently and it just hit me even harder seeing it again just like how moving of a story that it is and yeah I'm I'm going with the boy and the heron but like I can easily be swayed to across the spider verse because like I love that movie it does it has hit more of the precursors so there's 
a chance. But like, also there is a third Spider-Verse movie coming out. I just don't see them giving it to a sequel either when they know there's yeah. a, there is a third one that is probably going to make even more uh, technological and animation feats, you know? So that's why it's just like, I can't just give it to Across the Spider-Verse. Jillian, what are you thinking? I have Across the Spider-Verse just because I feel like, I don't know. I mean, even like, I feel like animated feature this year has felt really dead with like just not I mean like when Across the Spider-Verse came out and people were like oh my gosh like it's revolutionary and it's gonna like like people were predicting it in like best picture and like there was all this like passion behind it and I feel like it has kind of died down a lot and I don't know if it's just because it has been out for so long and like the lifespan of it is just so lengthy um I read this article about like why someone said that the boy and the heron wouldn't like isn't gonna win here but then I'm realizing some flaws and <laughs> their facts and statistics because they said that like like oh if he, he if he hasn't won yet like why would he win now but like they won for spirited away um and so I don't know like I I can also see that but like I also feel like no one it's like those those narratives where it's like no one's really pushing it. Same with like the Wes Anderson thing. It's more of just like a collective of like fans. So it's always hard also to tell like how the Academy people really think. And I think just like the team behind the Spider-Verse just feels really well-respected and well-known amongst the animation community. And like Lord and Miller have just really been like um, champions of like animation as a medium. Like same with Guillermo del Toro, uh, even though like obviously Studio Ghibli has been around longer than they have like been doing things but it just feels like they more align so with probably how the animation branch feels about themselves as a whole um where i can see it being spider-verse but then i agree it's like it's always weird when you know there's like a trilogy of films and it's like why stop at the second one especially when it's like oh it's obviously like the spider-verse is building up to something so it's like, oh, like, what if we reward it now and then the third one? But, like, it could win Oscars for all three of them, too, like, if it's that good. So I literally switch between them, like, every day. It's probably my most updated prediction, which is hilarious because, like, I haven't seen Spider-Verse. The Spider-Verse. I know. I really need to. Um, well, I was going to go see it in a theater and then I waited too long and it was out and then I was like, oh, it'll be back. And then it was only back for like one weekend. And it was playing at like 4 p.m. And I was like, what are we doing? Like, um, I know I, I know so many people that are going to listen to me yell at me, but I have listened to the score and the score is really great. Incredible like, score. Really great. Um, and I do like I've seen like so many clips of the first one and I do really like love the animation style like it's really interesting and I feel like it's like really unique especially for like is it like just like a superhero property as an animation like I feel like they're usually like pretty like dull like I grew up with the Batman like the and I really loved that but I was like that was like a standal like that was very like monumental of animation and especially like of superhero animation but I feel like this is like advancing what you think of with animation in general but like especially like I feel like superhero stuff they can like just crank it out and this is like the complete opposite of that like this is not a cash grab um and I think that's what Jillian's saying like they're so respected for just like 
all these advances they've made, like the way they stand behind it, like animation as film. Um, but The Boy and the Heron for me is just like, like you were saying, like, because I watched it twice also. And like the second time I watched it, like thinking about it being like possibly his last film, because he does take so long to make a movie. So it's like on top of it, just taking him so long, like he's older and it's really like daunting to think about. But it's like, he is the kind of filmmaker where you're like, why would we not crowd around him? Especially like everybody's saying, like, we know there is a third Spider-Verse movie. So I'm like, what is the hurry to give them another one? Like, I just, but it's like, I just see like such an argument for both of them. But the only thing that holds me back is the sequel narrative because the Oscars in this category are not that friendly to sequels. So I just, I don't know. You know what I would love if they opened the envelope and they were like robot dreams. Like they just completely were. That would be incredible. Or Nimona just yeah. like really like, like create would, chaos. It would be so funny if it's just like not one of the two we're all losing our minds over. Um, I really think like it's 50-50 to be honest. Like I really think this is going to be one category that they were maybe nervous about the the totaling because I think it's going to be really close. Um. As of recording, who knows when we publish our final written, I might have something different. I'm going to go with the boy and the heron just because I just think like even if they're not pushing it, which I don't think they're pushing it, like Jillian was saying, like I think like the Miyazaki like narrative is just stronger because of the narrative for the other film, the fighting for the Oscar, is that it's a sequel. And I'm like, I just... If this category was obsessed with sequels, I'd be like, oh, it's Spider-Verse. Who cares? But this category is not, notoriously. So, story. yeah, like, I just, I don't know. The fourth one. I like the fourth one. People don't like the fourth one. I hate the third one. Wait, but- what? Can I, can I talk about the third one, though? Um, I'm the same age as Andy. So I watched uh, Toy Story 3. The weekend before I moved from Texas to California to go to college with my mom. And that plot of that movie is Andy going to college and all his toys almost dying. And I was like, this is not the movie I thought was going to ruin my life the week before I moved to college. Like, um, ruin my life. I I like the fourth one. I think the fourth one's actually really good. I feel like, so I don't know, like Forky. Is that his name? Forky. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm trash. I, trash that one was actually for the adults and not that's the thing i do think the fourth Mm -hmm. one is far more for adults like i was watching this with theater of kids and i'm like they're not i saw that at arclight at like 8 p.m like it was just me and my husband (laughs) i saw it at like midnight and there was all these kids in there and i'm like aren't you supposed to be in bed it's like don't you have a bedtime (laughs) why is the theater packed (laughs) they're eating candy like being more awake Oh. it was just me laughing because no one was <laughs> grasping the oh common god um so stay tuned i guess for our final written predictions to see if we all stay <laughs> with our <laughs> verbal Wait, prediction man that tried to say that studio ghibli does not have an oscar and therefore they're not going to award it now like why would he put that in writing what? Was there no fact checking involved? Like, and I was like, "Oh, what is? What are we?" I was just looking at a bunch of things. I was like, "What are we feeling for animated short?" And then I was like, "Let me see what what other people were saying." And I mm-hmm. read, it's like, 
I'm pretty sure they've won before because it would be weird if they haven't. <laughs> um, is this person the same person who published their list of os- actors who are overdue for Oscars? No, this is different. Oh, okay. oh, but I, yeah. I would yeah. love to do a whole discussion on that list. Thanks <laughs> <laughs> for coming soon. <laughs> I was surprised Dominic Sessa wasn't number one first performance overdue. Yeah. Yeah. overdue. <laughs> or also Charles Melton for May December. Overdue. You know. Overdue. My favorite, my favorite was the inclusion of movies that haven't had their award season eligibility yet. Like, why are we including those? Like, what are you saying? You already know? Like, how do you know? Like, what if nothing comes out? What if, like, Dune and Challengers, the only two movies that come out, then what? What if she gets double nominated? Then she's not, she wasn't snubbed. Like, what are we saying? Snubbed for Malcolm and Marie. Give me a break. Oh, um, oh gosh. That movie. Tried moving on. Moving on to one Good. of my favorite categories that I, if, listen, I'm so against the idea of expanding any nomination, like having more nominees in a category, but this is the only one oh, yes. that I would. I think that International Feature should have 10 options because- Oh, yeah. I think that, like, especially, like, just the way that they nominate films is so, I hate it so much. Like, one film per country is so just, like, weird. And, like, the Oscar goes to the country, which is, like, what does that mean? Because the Roma Oscar is at the Netflix building. So what do you mean it goes to the country? Because is Netflix the country of Roma? No. Um... I think I really wish this could be Society of the Snow because I don't want it to go home empty-handed and I just think that in another year it would have been but I think there's no competition and this is the zone of interest. Does yeah. It, yeah. It like yeah, it could be awarded somewhere. So I love yeah. This is this, this is the zone of interest to lose. Yeah. Truly. Like guaranteed it will get this. Could it walk away with two? Maybe, but this Should one Should it for walk sure. away with all of them? Yes. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really, like, I think the zone of interest is just so far ahead. But interesting question. If Anatomy of a Fall was here, would Anatomy win? Oh, look? yeah. Like zone when they've been competing. Yeah, because it's always literally, like, anatomy yeah i think think anatomy would win okay so i will say france fucked anatomy of a fall but not really because look at all its oscar nominations but it did this this service to me to let me have one moment um i'm really excited to see jonathan glazer on stage even though it will not be his oscar which is very upsetting um but i do love like every i the only one i don't like is um capitano like i it's yeah i don't know what a strange nomination but i really like love everything else in this category um moving on to makeup and hairstyling jillian what are you okay so this one's pretty interesting because the makeup and hairstyling guild maestro won period and character over oppenheimer and poor things and then it won special makeup effects over golda and poor things and then 
<laughs> Barbie won Critics Choice and another makeup and hairstyling, and it's not even nominated. A crime. So, um, and then BAFTA went to um, Poor Things. Um, I'm very conflicted here once again because I'm like, is Poor Things picking up three techs? Like, are they picking up three tech awards? And let's say hypothetically they don't take Best Actress and they just walk away. It even feels weird that they would walk away with three awards. Um, but I'm conflicted because I was reading all these things and it was like everyone is talking about like, let's be honest, like the hair and makeup is Willem Dafoe's face. And it's weird to me that he's not nominated, but like, let's say it wins here. And it's like, oh, is it winning for the wigs? Like in the eyebrows, you know, like, you know, when I fill in my eyebrows and I leave it on and I don't clean up the edges, could I win an Oscar? There's just like, there's just like, <laughs> do you really examine the hair and the makeup? For the story, it doesn't make any sense because, like, she has no hair on her body. That's a whole other conversation. But but then I'm also conflicted because I'm like, Maestro, I don't know how people feel about Maestro as a movie because I'm like, okay, obviously last year they went with the whale, so they're we know they love prosthetics, but I'm like, it also was not a real person. Like, it's a fictional character. So I'm like, what if they're like... Can like, I say something oh, also about the prosthetics in um the whale? It wasn't good. It wasn't good. The scene where he's in the shower, it does not look good. And part of that is definitely like my biggest gripe with the film is that Aronofsky was shooting him like he was a monster. Like it was like these horror angles, um, which contributes more to the fact that because he wasn't a real person, like they didn't have any sympathy towards this man whatsoever. But like if I had to sit through the the whale and then Brendan Fraser tie-in thing. Can I just get the maestro makeup win? Well, I'm just like, I don't know if they are like, okay, we're done with like biopic makeup. Because obviously Tammy Faye won the other year. So it's like, I'm kind of conflicted on what the overall attitude is about the hair and makeup. But it's, it's so it's like, I feel like poor things would just be weird. But like, is it tying into Emma winning if it because it's like the thing that they're awarding it for isn't even nominated so I'm conflicted at the moment I probably might change it back to Maestro but those are the thoughts I was having about this category what are you thinking Meredith honestly like those are some really compelling thoughts and honestly I could flip flop it or I could switch it over to poor things, honestly. But I do have it as maestro right now because I don't think they can say no to good prosthetics. And I know they're not high on maestro, but they did nominate Bradley Cooper, which I think he's great in it. Um, and not just his makeup as well, but also um, Carrie Mulligan's as well, like watching her progress throughout the decades as well. So I still have it for Maestro, but because they're not really high on Maestro, I could see poor things getting it too. We'll see. 
It's we. I'm kind of considering it to be more similar to um, Bombshell, which was also Kazu and his team, um, and they won. And like they had nominated that for other performances, and then it just didn't win. And like the movie just wasn't really yeah. loved, but the makeup was like undeniable, and that was also like a real person. And it was like, um, it was also kind of similar too, where it was like everybody was focused on um the transformation of Charlize into Megan Kelly, but like there was makeup work on everybody like throughout the film, and it was just like the one performance, like the one actor was the one that was the focus. Um, but I also think like. Jillian and I got to go to a crafts panel for Maestro and like listening to Kazu talk about the makeup. I am not sure how you could not vote for it. Like the way he was talking about it and just like, I don't know, like seeing like close up images of like his arms and like the arm hair in the arms that are aged. It's just like really crazy. But I do think that like everybody's saying they don't like maestro and sure it's not gonna win but like it got an original screenplay nomination like sure it didn't get director which it should have um but like i don't know like that was a really like none of us we were all like is it saltburn is it air and then it just ended up being maestro and i'm like that's because sure sure 50 percent chance because they're lazy and they didn't watch anything else and they just like checked the movie um but like there's some respect and passion for that movie so that's true that's true i i think like kazu is just really respected in his field and i think that like even if you don't know anything about makeup that's really obvious that it's really good work like because there's a lot of close-ups in that movie and i'm like it holds up like yeah i don't know and i think like a lot of people pointed out carrie is like makeup work as well because it's really like realistic like mm-hmm. it's like that's really how people age and like when like when my mom went through her cancer like she got more age spots like around like the crown of her head and just like the way that it looked so real in the movie and not like put on like it was really fascinating to see um and i just like i think like if people saw that in a theater like there's no way they don't vote for that because it's so realistic like it's just and it really holds up um, but I do want to pour one out for Society of the Snow and Oppenheimer because I think it's really great work. Like, I think Society of the Snow is so good, horrifying. Like, like, they, like, literally, they sent us photos for the interview that Leia did, and Jillian emailed them to me so I could get them. And they were like, her subject was like, This is gonna scar you. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, the, legs. the legs, the legs. Wow. But um, Jillian spoke to the hair and makeup department heads of Oppenheimer and just like the de-aging and the aging of literally so many characters is just crazy. And it's so weird. We're not like that. We're not even talking about it as a possibility. Like, I think it's but I think other than Olda, this feels like a great mix of work. Like it's really and it's all like really different work, which is really cool. Like, I think that. Maestro and Oppenheimer, there's a lot of, like, aging and de-aging, but it's, like, very different work, because Maestro is, like, very prosthetic heavy, whereas, like, Oppenheimer, there are prosthetics, but not to the same extent, and shout out to them for shaving Robert Downey Jr.'s head. That's, like, whenever I hear, like, actors, because there's someone else that did that, whenever I hear, like, actors, like, willingly letting them shave their head or their eyebrows for, like, however, and they're lucky that was only, like, a 50-day shoot. It's just, like, it's so terrifying, especially, like, he's in his 50s. That's what I was thinking. Like, if I was 
like if you asked me to shave my head right now, I probably wouldn't do it because I'd be like, oh, I'm kind of losing my hair. Like, you know, like I don't what if it doesn't come back? But like a 50 year old man, would you want to like? Yeah, I was like, wow, that's insane. it made me really like respect him because I'm like, I wouldn't do it. Like, it's like, all like... The when people shave their eyebrows for a moment. Yeah. Or, like, no. <laughs> I'd probably bleach mine because mine are just really dark in general. But like, I don't think I'd shave them off because like we, I think we all fell victim to like the over plucking, and like I still have an area where like it just never, it never came back. It never, it went down with the ship, just like me and Bradley Cooper. Um, <laughs> moving on to production design, which I do think is a pretty exciting category so barbie has won critics choice and it won adg fantasy or no it was nominated it did not win and it lost to poor things in adg fantasy and then poor things was nominated for critics choice and lost to barbie but poor things won bafta jillian Listen, I if I was in this category, I would give it to Killers of the Flower Moon, but that's not an option. Technically, it is an option. Just an option, but they don't want to make it an option. I think that is the most impressive work. I do think they should have pushed the narrative for Jack Fisk finally getting an Oscar. Like that should have really been a push. We're gonna stand at the sidelines and watch Jack Fisk lose another Oscar. Like exactly lunacy but i i don't know if it's like because like last year i was like oh babylon is gonna win and it and it did not so i'm like you know what anything could happen they went for those trenches in the mud last year and all quiet so like you know you never know what's gonna happen i i mean i also thought it was impressive that they built barbie dream houses people were like no because it's existing material and it's like yeah but like you adapt it like w- we've never said that about uh like a historic film like adapting did you know, the trenches not exist did the trenches not exist did we not pull from the trenches or like when, what i thought was interesting about killers of the flower moon and like it, or like different time periods where there's not images of like what that looks like and like the amount of work that you know they put in to kind of figure out how to recreate this based off of people's memories um that's my plea for Killers of the Flower Moon. But I think it definitely is between Poor Things and Barbie. I think they both have like different angles. I mean, they're both like a female experience of liberation, one written by a man and one written by a woman. So, I mean, the same side of the coin. Um, I think it just probably is like what the preferences of the voters on which one they liked more. And obviously we saw Poor Things win at the BAFTAs. I think if I was going to wear poor things somewhere, it would be costumes and not necessarily production design. Like, I would like that to go to Barbie because I think, like, when the trailer came out, everyone was talking about it. And then I don't know what the flip of the switch was when people were, like, all of a sudden that wasn't impressive because they're in the real world. And, like, ooh, they didn't build Century City, so we can't give them the Oscar. Like, the argument, the anti-Barbie arguments for production design are so bizarre. And it's, like... Like, you can't acknowledge that, wow, that's cool work. And, like, I think a lot of the times, too, is people are so obsessed with, like, movies that, like, obviously there's visual effects in it. And then they, like, conflate the two. And, like, Poor Things obviously is a mixture of that. But I think a lot of the visual effects outweigh, like, the practical 
designs for them. And I just think it was really impressive of what Barbie was able to do with like the practicality of what Barbie land looks like and its stark differences between that and the real world. And I don't know why the real world is factoring so heavily into people's interpretation of the film. Like, I think that that argument is weird. So I would like to give it to Barbie. That's my closing statement. Your TED talk on a movie you don't even love, which is my favorite part of everyone yelling at you. I'm like, she doesn't even love Barbie. <laughs> Meredith, what are you feeling in production design? I, well, I will say, I will not be shocked if Oppenheimer won this. I'm not predicting mm-hmm. it, but I did watch the Vanity Fair interview with the production designer, and she talked about how she recreated the Oval Office in seven days. Like that's historic work. So um, I could, I just see Oppenheimer sweeping and just picking up things as they go along. And if production design was one of them, I would not be surprised. However, I, I do think it's going to come down to Barbie and poor things. And I have been sold on Barbie winning since the architectural digest uh, set tour of the Barbie dreamland and the fact that there was a fear that they were going to run out of the world supply of paint like stats like that alone it's like this is why this wins production design and I think it is worthy of this when I am scared though in my predictions like there is a world where poor things wins both costume design and production design. There is a world where this is split between the two. And I don't know which one Barbie wins. And so I do have it for Barbie taking it here um, for production design, because I do think it's just that impressive the way that she was the way the Barbie land came together and even the production design of like the offices of Mattel, I thought were like, so they were really fantasy. Like, like it felt like, um, you know, when you'd watch like cartoons of like villains or like, it made me think of like the Powerpuff girl, like the mayor's office. Like I was like, cause I feel like that's really like the way kids think. So I was like, it felt like that. Like it felt like, cause she talked about like, the um handwriting being like gibberish because like kids don't care about stuff like that and i'm like but that's the way the office felt to me like it was like the big bad evil office like it was really long and like dark in some places like the table alone how like just the construction of that was just so well done and it like felt like i don't know like i was thinking about it because i just rewatched um strange love and I was like it's kind of like the war room like it's like it's really interesting like I don't I think that like people it like you're saying like you watch all these featurettes like the architectural digest tour and it's like the more you hear about it and it's the same thing with Oppenheimer like the more you hear about it the more impressed I am by it and like I like the production design and poor things I think it's really cool it's really reminiscent of one of my favorite movies Dracula um Coppola's Dracula and but it's like it's it's just like not my favorite in the category and it's not one like the more I learn about it the more I'm fascinated by it like I wasn't team Barbie production design until I heard them talk about it like at length and I was like wow them talking about like the actors needed to look too big in the space because like all Barbies look too big in the Barbie dream house when you have them and like I don't know just like the functionality of things and like 
I don't know, like, I love the, like, opening, like, her getting her milk and, like, her getting her toast and, like, the way it's in every single house the same, but it's, like, different because it matches their aesthetic. And I'm, like, I don't know, like, that attention and, like, the the discussion of, like, the Pantones of the pink, like, I work for a company, like, we use, like, we create all our own colors and, like, the idea of that is so fascinating and, like, the scale of, like, this pink is this and this shade of pink means this like I just think it's so interesting and like um Oppenheimer like the um Oval Office being built so quickly and the, like them talking about like you could still smell the paint like when they were shooting and just like the I don't know I think it's really funny that Oppenheimer has like a like a plot about the production design essentially like build a town build it fast and I'm like that's literally what they had to do like that is what other movie has that well also um, when we went to that thing she was talking about like they didn't fully build one of the buildings and yeah out, like chris and Hoyt and her were figuring out like how many different angles they can shoot within one town where they didn't have to necessarily like build everything in it which i felt like was very it's so surprising how like oppenheimer there's certain categories it's not really heavily talked about that i would like awarded in like it's in three categories at least it's not a major competitor it's just like filling a slot but like there's so much more to it and like I don't know the people that did Barbie like they didn't even have Barbies like that's hard like they had to come up with like how what this doll means to them that they didn't grow up with and knew nothing about and then make her whole world and like have that writing on them of how many people's hearts will be broken if it's not exactly correct and then like all the different references Greta pulled from different um, like works of art that she liked and just figuring out the functionality and the decals and like what it means to be a doll and how it relates to the human experience. Like it's hard to put a philosophy and a mantra like within a production design where it's just not a space like poor things. It's like, okay, how do we recreate real places, by the way, for people that are like Barbie land exists. Apparently, I didn't know that. Um, who like I'm sorry I, I didn't know Lisbon was real Lisbon is real <laughs> well it's like they're like okay how do we make like a very like I like the idea of being version. like a diff like a non-real version and I do love um but I love it more so in the costume design of like it doesn't have to be period accurate because like is it a period piece is it a fantasy film but it's just like I I don't know. It's just one of those things where I just feel stronger about like the like what you're talking about, like the story behind Barbie and like the like the plot of Barbie and like I think of Oppenheimer and I think of Killers of the Flower Moon, like is it within the production design? And I don't really feel that with poor things. Like I feel like poor things, the production design is really like an aesthetic and yeah. not part of like I, like I maybe I need to listen to them talk about it more I just like am not it's hard to connect it. like I'm not yeah. hard for me to connect with it and I've tried to read about it but it feels like a signed reading <laughs> I feel like Bella's story is told through a costume design I just it's don't feel that way about the production design and like or the I makeup. yeah like I learned how to do a braid like when they were talking about oh, the wig I was like isn't it the same wig like am I missing something did they like change it throughout the movie no like, it just goes into a I thought it was like the same wig the whole time same. like it would have been interesting if she cut her hair at the end or something no, but, but I 
agree. I think like poor things, it's more so I think people are stuck in like the awe of like, oh, she's experiencing the world for the first time with this brain. And it's like I understand that, but I don't think it's as compelling as like well the the I feel like the shot the examples people use, like the photos they use to be like, I love the production design. I'm like, that is the cinematography visual effects that you're loving. Like sure, sure. I love um god's house and like his office and like the ceiling like it's really cool but i'm like like that's that's one i don't like a lot of it like it makes sense for the clothing oh and i like um christopher abbott's part like i like how dark and like tight his house feels even though it's so big or just like saying like oh like a lot of like the female you know organs are like spread throughout the world or like genitalia and it's like i get it but it just feels like it's there but like it, when it's in the clothing, it makes sense. But like, there's just so many things that just don't, it's not doing what they think that it's doing personally for me. I'm like, it just feels like, oh, let's be bold and make sure you know that this is not the real world. This is like her world. Yeah, I think that's a good point yeah. is that like, it's like a reminder that it's not the real world versus like creating a world, which is like what I think is done in Barbie and like Oppenheimer's like real places and like, I think, like, listen to them talk about, like, they shot on, like, real locations in some places and some places they weren't able to. And, like, I don't know. Like, it felt like historical work and then also felt like honoring the real history of, like, the real places, which is really cool. Um, I, I, right now, I think this is poor things. Because I think Kosh Design is Barbie. You think it's Barbie? Yeah, I think um so for costume design, um Barbie won CCA and then sci-fi fantasy CDG and it was nominated for the BAFTA. Poor Things won the BAFTA, was nominated for Critics Choice, and then won period CDG. But so BAFTA winners, BAFTA CDG winners that lost the Oscar are Pan's Labyrinth, the favorite, and then last year's Elvis, and then Critics Choice and CDG winners that lost the oscar not once which i don't think critics choice is like a lot of weight like i don't think what is the overlap like it's not a lot of weight kate blanchett lost her oscar because of her critics choice speech but i think that it's just like frustrating that like they've owned like poor things and barbie like we're in separate categories with cdg yeah um but I have a question about poor things. So it was in period, not sci-fi fantasy. Like it was in period, right? But it's not a period film. No. But then why was it? A- it's not a period film, and it's not a sci-fi fantasy film. It's just a film. I I would equate it with a sci-fi fan and like Barbie. Like is that not contemporary? Like I'm so confused. Like I don't I don't know. But I think it's Barbie because I think Barbie has a really great balance of um recreations and reimaginings and then i think and i said this last year the film editing and the fablemans and it came back to bite me so who knows if i should say this but you know the scene where ryan gosling's throwing out all her clothes and it like names them like it's like yes i'm like what movie has like the costumes like that and like america ferrer's character like multiple times like picks things up and it's like oh my god it's and i'm like are we are we really like gonna I don't know and it's just like sure you can say the production design not interesting whatever you're wrong but you could say it um the costume design I'm like is she Barbie without the Barbie clothes 
it doesn't work if it doesn't look right. Like it just does not work. And it's also her story of becoming a woman as well. Like you see the, the progression, yeah. the, the evolution from her clothes being very pink and very structured to something a bit looser. And eventually her last dress before she's in the real world is yellow, you know? Um, so I think that there is storytelling in there. I think also, I know this is not an indicator for the Academy, but to me, Barbie was such a pop cultural thing that like, even if you didn't care for the costumes, the costumes made their way out to Halloween that year. Like, and people were dressing up to go see Barbie Literally. and Oppenheimer, like in full Barbie based off of a, the trailers we got alone. You know, I do think like the Barbie's costuming is exceptional here. I am bracing myself for the fact that Barbie could lose <laughs> in production design and in costume design because I will say the costume design in Poor Things is really spectacular too. It's very ornate and out there and it also tells a story as well. But like I cannot within me, I cannot predict against it I have to go for Barbie but yet I am like setting myself up for the fact that Barbie is probably walking away with just one Oscar and that just doesn't feel that doesn't sit right with me um I don't think that should be the case because like technically like how these costumes came to life and they honored a costume designer and Roth in their movie like I feel like this is such a celebration That's a great of costume. That is a great point. Yeah, like they they have their heart on their sleeves for costume work here. I it's crazy to me that it could lose here, but there is such a real chance that it does. But I'm still going for Barbie. I'm team Barbie here with this in production design. And you know what? Heartbreak can feel good in a place like my living room watching the Oscars. <laughs> so I for things like would be a good win to me. Like I think it's really unique. I think it's really cool. I love the fabrics specifically, especially like learning that they didn't know it was gonna be black and white until a few weeks before, like, which as a costume designer, I cannot begin to fathom like that um change. Um, I just think like Barbie is something like, and like the thing is the, the yellow shorts that Bella wears, like that outfit, like I want that outfit. Like that is like, I want that. Um, I just think like Barbie is just like monumental. Like the impact will last a lifetime. Like I think that like, I don't know. It's just like the weight of it is so impressive to me. And like the fact that they pulled it off is just crazy crazy like I I don't know but I do want to say if you want to say I love the costume design in Oppenheimer and I know a lot of people think it was a coattail nomination but there is a scene where he's like stop dressing like a military man and dress like the better version of yourself and he has this little like superhero moment where he like puts his hat on <laughs> and I'm like I don't know I like it and his little slutty high-waisted pants yeah. I'm sure there were so many meetings over picking the right hat for this. Yeah. So and you know what? It was the right fucking hat. Like it was the right hat. It's not too big. It's not too small. It it is that's a silhouette that was created by a costume designer. 
like say like I don't I don't understand um yeah. Jillian Queen Oppie what do you I what mean, are you I thinking wish, I wish it was Oppenheimer because I feel like that movie is so much about iconography and that's why also like the cinematography one is gonna make so much sense um and it's like the interesting about the elements that help define the characters in this film are like not the ones that are most likely going to be yeah uh, awarded and it's like if they didn't have I mean like for any movie but I think specifically like why this one works as a biopic history epic is just because of the elements put into place for the characters to like inhabit the essence and like feel the physicality in their movements and stuff like specifically how they're how they're dressed and just like Oppie's entire ensemble and I feel like people were like oh they're just suits and it's like if you wear the wrong suit it wouldn't have worked like Killian talks about like being influenced by like David Bowie because of the pictures that uh, Nolan sent him and like you can just really feel like when they talk about the influences for this it's like you just really feel like that coming and it makes the character make so much more sense of how they're playing them and like that's what costumes give us just like so much more insight um so like I feel like that should oh be the- and um uh Ellen talked about it at the um behind the scenes thing we went to but um the costume design on like the women um for Florence Pugh and Emily Blunt like it was really like specific to how Chris and Emma wanted to portray them like as real like as like yeah. strong independent women despite their circumstance and yeah. like they did that through the costume design and I'm like I didn't know that and then like hearing them talk about it and then rewatching it I was yeah. like really impressed with that and like you know like there's only so much women in that time period could do and like I don't know, like seeing what they did and then reading about them like as real people, it was really interesting to see like the choices they made. And it's like that's more than just like wearing period accurate clothing. Yeah. Like, sorry. I sorry. think like that <laughs> I don't I feel like that's that element of it's so timeless and like they're not conflicted with period accurate that's why like that person freaking out over the them having the wrong flag and that whole the whole scene kind of like poor things of when he's in the I keep wanting to call it a stadium but it's the lounge where he's giving the speech and like originally they were all supposed to be wearing muted colors and then last minute Chris Nolan was like I want them all to be wearing color like bright colors and like Ellen had to go like on this whole journey to find like the period accurate and the colors for that scene to make sure everyone was dressed. And like, obviously that's a pivotal moment of the film of just, I think like also with like costume designers, which is very interesting how we were talking about poor things with one person, like to see what they pulled off in Barbie, um, Killers and Offy of like dressing an entire ensemble that all like works perfectly well, I think is like just really impressive. Like, and I think that sometimes we forget about the costume designer's role of not just doing like, one person but like making sure the entire ensemble and like for barbie um like these characters these actors have to believe like this is real to like pull off whatever performance or else it'd be like what are we watching like well and ryan gosling's talked about that like numerous times like he was like he really struggled with the idea of like being like not taking it seriously but like feeling real because like that's so important to like the psych of ken and yeah. I'm like, and another thing I keep thinking about is not only making them all feel like it's real, but they're all named Barbie and they're all named Ken. And it's like, they still have like this sense of like identity behind them. And yeah. it's not just through like, she's the doctor. She's the, at- like, they have like real like 
I don't know, like um when they snap um what's her name to reality and she's like, Do you want pants? And she's like, Yes. And I'm like, because that's like how her Barbie dresses. And it's yeah. like, I don't know, like the way that like, yes, they all like look like Barbies and Kens, but like they also still have like this individuality is like that's through the costume design. Like I and that's like a perfect execution of like, sure, they could all interchange their clothes, but like we worked with Greta and Noah. I'm like, this is who each character is. And I don't know. I I, like, what are we doing? What are we doing if Barbie doesn't win here? Like, what are we doing? You play with your Barbies, you give them all personalities. Yeah. I don't understand. Now I'm really upset. Barbies don't have a backstory. It's not an adapted story. That's the whole thing is I give the Barbies the backstory I want them to. Like, you get through the clothing, through the production design of your little Barbie house. Like, it all comes together from your imagination. President Barbie wanted a sash and she got a sash. Okay. Her Barbie president tracksuit at the end of the movie. Yes. Like, amazing. My thing is, like, I say I say this every time we talk about poor things. I'm like, if we weren't going to give it to the favorite, like, why now? Why now? Especially in these two categories. Like, if the favorite. What if, what if um, off, they win and win. they're like, this is for dog tooth. And they just hold the Oscar up. <laughs> what, what, what one costume design in 2019? Bohemian. Was it Bohemian? I don't know. I'm trying to fucking what, block that year out. What movie was gave Yorgos his grievances? <laughs> I try to block that year out, man. Um, but I don't know. It's just like also that I'm like I get like that. I get what we're doing here, but it just come on. It was Black Panther. Oh, which, which incredible! I'm happy with that. Me too. But. I just want to say that um, Mary Poppins is actually really good. I love Mary Poppins Returns. That's my favorite Emily <laughs> Blunt performance. I would have given her an Oscar for that. What a fucking horrifying year. At least first man one for visual effects because Bohemian Rhapsody, just seeing that name bolded in so many categories. You know what? Let's go with um, Barbie in production design and costume design because Black Panther won both. Yeah, that's true. They you know, both. If someone can win for making a trench, anything is possible. Ain't that the truth? Babylon losing production design is one of those things that, like, in five years, if I'm still making Oscar predictions, I'm gonna be like, this was my turning point of like nothing else mattered ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it wasn't Bradley Cooper. It wasn't like Natalie Portman for Jackie. It was specifically babylon and score like be serious not wearing oh my score. gosh be serious like what uh anyway moving on to music this is a good category <laughs> for barbie this is a good category for barbie original song i fear we all have the same predicted winner well what if what if what if they if you're about to say what if diane warren wins for the cheeto no, movie no i'm like i'm like what if they tie and then barbie wins two oscars That'll oh my god cool. that would be really cool what um do you think i'm just kind of like in the middle of the telecast towards the end like where do you I feel like they open with it i open? feel like they should open with I feel it like they open with it and all the kids are dressed up as the actors nominated or the said. nominated actors should do it. 
I um, think it would be fine and they perform alongside Mark Ronson. I was thinking I would love that they should not open with I'm just Ken. They should open with Matchbox 20 singing push and then all the nominated actors play sing push. Okay, that would be awesome. And And it would be a great way to give us two. Like, okay, what was I made for will be great. But it is just like a downer. Like it's really like it sucks the energy out of the room in a negative well, way. Barbie, like after Barbie loses production design and costume <laughs> design, they can put on what I what, what was made for to fill the mood of the room. I will I will sit there and cry and be like, this is cathartic right now. That's actually but- really good. You should call them and tell them. Like if if it loses okay. those back to back. Like please Thin play this. Yeah. Scrap, yeah. Scrap Diane Warren and put on. <laughs> uh. Are they gonna do like a mel? Uh, like what they did with La La Land, where they played the in the same melody. I don't think so because they're so different, and I feel like a lot of people are gonna watch for. You imagine like. But right. okay, here's my thing. Here's my question. Um, I know Dua Lipa was shortlisted. Like, I know it was shortlisted. It probably stinks that she didn't get in. But it's not like she didn't get in because like. It wasn't like, but it's like it just wasn't allowed. Like they couldn't do three and songs. And she got right. Re- she got recognized by the recording academy. Yeah, like, I feel like that is. She, more... Could she not open the show? Like you can promote training day. Like I don't care. Like, but oh like, my gosh, yes. But like, dance the night is like a good like everybody. You know, it's like, a bop. Like I don't know, just do that. I'm I just like be surprised if they put all the song, all the bar- the Barbie soundtrack in one performance. I would be okay with that, minus Lizzo. I just, like... Well, also because, like, it's hard to incorporate pink because it's so dependent on, like, what's happening. On in, the screen. In, yeah. yeah. But, so okay, maybe, the- maybe Jimmy Kimmel makes that a bit. Like, he did wait, wait, you, know, you know how they were doing um uh, Super Bowl halftime performance predictions? They go, oh, oh, yes. Oh, should we do that? You're like, it opens. There's the Barbie dream houses on the stage. Okay. So how do you do that and not give it production design? Are we gonna put Bella's like prison? Like, oh my gosh! But this is like how they me off. So you're using Barbie, like, because like they recreated the traveling through for the the um commercial. I'm like, so you're gonna use Barbie to promote the show? But that's what they did last year with Babylon. They did that with their score. They set the fucking score to the commercial. Oh my god. Use that, so that's why oh. I am preparing for heartbreak. For okay, okay. That's a good. Done, why haven't they done anything with poor things? Where's the poor things advertisement? For it's all? crazy because you could do the dance, like Jimmy Kimmel doing the dance. Oh, that yeah. is so easy. Like that is so easy. And if you even if you haven't seen the movie, it's in the commercials, so it's like the like Okay, can we talk about um? They've taken down like all the FYC billboards except poor things. Like poor things, they're all still up. And it's like the defy expectations is so big. And I'm like, what do you mean defy expectations? It's like, just like it's like, just like also just like, okay, this white woman is defying expectations for what? Like, uh, actually, no, I think they finally took down the oh, you know what's hilarious? Um, before we move on to sound. There's been a Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning billboard, like, for when the movie came out, on my commute to work, ever since the month before the movie came out. They just took it down on Friday. I'm like, 
Oh my god! It was kind of like part of my routine, you know. I'd be like, "Hello, Tom," on his motorcycle. Like I'm like, what? And they never updated it to like an FYC billboard. Like it literally said like in theaters July 21st or whatever. And I was like, "Why was this up for so long?" <laughs> like, but they finally took it down. So sad. Um, but Mission Impossible got the franchise's first nominations this year, including our next category, sound. Okay. That was a great transition, by the it way. It really was. Like it really where's my Oscar? Best transition. <laughs> um <laughs> this is the one okay. If Oppenheimer wins here, I'll be very happy. The sound work is incredible. Like the the Trinity test scene specifically. But personally, for me, my favorite sound work is when um, Jason Clark is yelling at him and it's like the lights are going up because I'm like, you can clear And this is such a problem in other Nolan films, but like you can clearly hear everyone's dialogue and the score yeah. and the sound uh, like effects. Like it's really like so, that, like that scene is so impressive. And just like the, yeah. when um, the sound cuts out, when he's giving the speech, like it's really like it feels so real like I feel like like you know how the screenplay is like in his perspective like that scene specifically when he's like giving the speech and like he can hear all these screams like that that sound it feels like the way the screenplay is written like I feel like I am him giving the yeah. speech and I'm hearing those noises yeah. like it's really impressive but this is where the zone of interest no I I have zone of interest right now and I mean I am I might change it day of to Oppenheimer just for that yeah which like you just said I would not be upset if Oppenheimer won here because the sound work is incredible but sound is so central to making the zone of interest effective that and I think they have finally like have attributed the sound work to the like talking about it in their FYC stuff. So I feel like there there is a world where the zone of interest could win. And it would be such a great win, honestly. And that's why I still have it. It's like it's one of my personal picks of like, I can't let you go. But also I know Oppenheimer will probably take it away. But yeah. it could be a great surprise of the night. It's just like um, something I've been because I can zone of interest is the one movie like if I find an interview for it, I watch it. If I find a podcast interview, I listen to it. And something that's really fascinating to me is that at almost every single recorded like Q&A, Johnny's the sound designer, Johnny Byrne has been there. Um, and I'm like, OK, what other New York Film Festival premiere could you name a sound designer being at the premiere to talk about the movie? Like, that is so just, like, that's common, like, further out or, like, for sound screenings. But, like, he was at a premiere with the actors and the director because, like, the sound is so crucial to the story that they're telling. And I think that Jonathan Glazer has done such an incredible job of speaking about the film one, film two aspect when they were editing that, like, film one is just this the movie you see and film two is this the movie you hear and that does not come together without the sound being just like completely perfect and something else that's really interesting to me and I don't know another movie that's like this is they were talking about when they were editing it they were like can you hear it anymore and they were like what do you mean and he's like I don't hear anything anymore 
And it's because the sound is like, it's like you have to watch it from start to finish for it to really work. And I'm like, what other movie on the earth is like that? Like, I just, I don't know. It's like, if Oppenheimer wins, it'll like it'll actually be like, I'll be really happy. I think it's incredible work. It's just like, the zone of interest just feels like a once in a lifetime kind of sound win that's like monumental to not even just like moviegoers or like experiencing a movie, but like that is sound work. The whole sound community is like, this is incredible. And like the movie ends and starts with and in the middle has like segments that's like sound and that's it. And I'm like, I don't, I just, I don't know another movie like it. And yes, like it's my favorite movie that's nominated in any category, but it's just like, I don't know. It just feels so important to recognize it and like I will love an Oppenheimer win but Oppenheimer's gonna take home what like five Oscars like let Zone of Interest have two because technically even if it wins the international feature it's not like anybody from the movie gets that like I just I don't know and Johnny Byrne Jillian interviewed him and he is the nicest guy and I don't know I love like just like the conversation around the zone of interest sound specifically. Like even if the movie doesn't work for you, I feel like everybody walks away. Like the sound is so incredible. And I don't know. It'd be really cool to see it recognized. Jillian, how are you? Are you going zone or are you going oppie? I have zone on my I've had zone on my thing. Cause I I mean I do agree. I think um I think it's Christopher Nolan's best sounding movie. And I think it's like one of the best sounds or I, even when I came out I was like I've never heard a movie like sound this good and like everything that he was juggling um and it kind of reminds me of what like that's why I wish there was two categories for sound because it kind of reminds me of what Babylon did with its sound layering and like how it's how it's really integral to the story to like dissect dialogue and conversations and like how it adds to the perspective um so I'm like I love that but I feel like people I feel like a lot of people are not taking that from the sound of Oppie. I think it goes back to the what he did in Trinity. And like to me, like that's the least important part of the film, to be honest. Um, so it's like it's like interesting how like I feel like the sound conversation for a majority of people start starts and stops there, where like zone, it's definitely more like fluid in the movement. I think like it's done a better job at having those conversations with voters and just like all in general in the press for it um and how they've talked about it whereas like I feel like with the sound of like Oppie it's more so like the score that like seems like it's on a larger scale of people talking about or even just like making those connections um but I think like I mean one of my favorite sound wins is the sound of metal from the year that is the toss out year um so I feel like the sound branch definitely gets a little interesting or like crazy or doesn't necessarily always go for like the major motion picture of the category so I definitely optimism here for for the zone of interest and like that whole movie is just based off of how you use sound um to make people see images that are not on the screen yeah I think it's a really good way to describe it and I think Johnny said that in your interview like it's like you have like Jonathan Glazer never wanted to show anything and he was relying on the sound to get people to visualize these things that we've learned about in other Holocaust films and documentaries and at school through books and it's like 
they do that and that's so impressive and I also like you know how um on the set of mother exclamation mark Jennifer Lawrence had the um like reality tv hut like she would go to to like get her mind off of everything that the movie was about I'm like what did Johnny Byrne have to decompress while he was working on this movie because those sounds like in like I can't imagine like over and over trying to perfect it like do you think he also had a keeping up with the Kardashians like laptop like ready to go <laughs> like what do we think was his they probably, like they probably just watched the movie without the sound and were like yeah <laughs> look at this family flower look at this girl putting the apples in I don't know if anybody saw that interview Jonathan Glazer did, but he was talking about um, the flowers, actually. They were loading up all the cameras on the last day, and he was like, let me just walk around. And he shot all the flowers, and then they were, like, missing something, and Mika Levy had written this, like, piece of music that they didn't end up using, and they layered it over the flowers, and they were like, wait, and then they edited the red, and then they were like, wouldn't it be cool if it was just the sound and not the music? And I'm like... That was all just like let me go get last minute shots just like around the hot like set. It's so impressive. To- I just I want the oh. movie to win all the Oscars. It's not also, I think it's an interesting because I thought about this when I was doing the interview of like I think it's also an interesting um experiment for multi-generational or multiple generations because it's like how would someone who hasn't been taught this part of history or like have that exposure yet um how would they if they saw this movie like how would they interpret those sounds or like what would they allude it to so it seems like one that just it's just like it's something I've never I mean maybe there's some like random art house movie that does this but I also think it's interesting when you because we hear those sounds and we can you know assimilate or like piece together what that would be but like what would it be like for someone that has no higher like knowledge of you know how to incorporate sound into image I also thought that was like fascinating that's so interesting because I I haven't thought about that but somebody was like oh do you think they'll show this in schools and my friend was like no I think this will be like a college movie not like a high school movie and I'm like, that makes a lot of sense because of what you're saying. Like, people who haven't really, like, come to the visuals of what happened will, like, have to wait to, like, really unpack it at its full um, exposure. But I guess moving on from this highly debated category between at least the three of us, like, I like that we're all three, like, zone. Like, but it could be Oppenheimer. Like, if you're yes. listening and trying to make your own predictions, I don't know what to tell you. Like, but it could be go with your gut. What if it's the creator? Oh my gosh. <laughs> the most, the second most surprising nomination. Like, I was like, the creator? Like, it's yeah, so funny. I, I would be more into Oppenheimer and sound if it qualified for visual effects. I think it's like mm, that. Yeah, because that would be a good, like, oh, like these pair back to each other. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what it's losing me on that front. But like, I'm not saying like, oh, there's no way it could. Yeah. Win. I feel more like, oh, yeah given if it was in visual effects that's a good call out um but let's talk about a category that i think is oppie or bust uh original score of killers of the flower moon would be so good it would be one of the greatest wins of all time like there's multiple categories here with killers in it where i'm like the win would be so good yeah 
and it's not gonna happen but I'm like it would be amazing and this is one of them one of three yeah I agree completely um watch it be John Williams I'm just kidding I'm just kidding (laughs) I'm just kidding I what is he doing here what are you doing here like does he it's a club the the like, composers it's there? a club because otherwise the killer would be in there trent reznor and atticus true. ross across the spider-verse boy and the heron they would all be there but no so i no. will say um poor things getting nominated because of that point that like they do like tend to stick to the people who've already been nominated like poor things getting in like it's his first score ever and i'm like that is crazy that um, is and- wild I'm not really a fan of the American fiction score, but I very rarely ever see women in this category. So that's really like an exciting nomination. Um, but Meredith, what are you thinking? Oppie? It's Oppie or Bust. Yeah. And <laughs> it is definitely one of the most effective film scores, like not just like listening to it on its own, but also being paired with the visuals that you get. It's just so... It just adds a layer of grandeur to obviously this very, this event that changed the world essentially and how we can never go back from this. And I don't think we can ever go back from a score like this, honestly. So Ludwig, go get your trophy. It's going to be great. Um, I saw somebody say he looks like um, the Culkin in Scream 4 and I've never been able to recover. <laughs> he really does. Um, but I think we went to Jillian and I went to see it with the orchestra at UCLA and um, like it's so funny everyone was like can you hear the music like the, everybody like applauded and I was like I feel that way about every track of score like they're all just so unique and I like the idea that like he really like utilizes the violin like throughout all of it and it's really just like this very much a cohesive but they all feel like really unique tracks and like i don't know like but also like there's a track called can you hear the music because somebody says can you hear the music in the movie and then we literally hear the music like it's just like and then paired back with the visuals of what he's seeing like you don't even have to watch the whole movie if you don't want to just watch that like two minute scene and it's like score win for sure like that's it favorite thing about scores when like the or like different tracks when it's like the track titles like something that someone said and then it like alludes into it's so funny sometimes i'm like why are you spoiling the movie like 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 someone's death or something (laughs) end of the the pyramid like something i'm like okay well i guess that's what's happening but i think the score here does such a great job at like i think that's where like the score really trumps the sound design even though like obviously sound is like really cool where i feel like the score is more effective in like navigating the audience into his mind because it's so like i feel like there's so many films that come out and we're like oh it's so pov perspective but like this is really the first film i've seen where it's like no it is like we're in the wrinkles of his brain and i think it's really the score of mirroring his thoughts, his anxiety, like destruction, creation, like all of these different themes without him ever explicitly having to say like how he feels. And I think it does such a great job of this navig, like kind of what the sound does in Zone of Interest, like the navigation of how you're weeding through different eras of his life and like 
evoking emotion and like it works so well in the black and white sequences too of just adding so much like sadness to it um and I think it's one of the best ones that could possibly happen because of yeah my friend was trying to be like all the tracks are the same violin like this is why killer should win it ties it together (laughs) it is it's like like it's honestly he uses the violin like as a transition like whereas like scores obviously don't have like transition tracks because like they're used as transitions in some cases but he uses the violin to like transition us within the tracks themselves and it's like really interesting like I don't know it's like it's also like a score I feel like I've never heard before like Uh, why I don't really like the American fiction score because it just like feels like something like I've heard before but like, and I do, I love the killer score, but I don't listen to it on my own. I listen to the Oppenheimer score all the time. Like it is a great score, but it, it, it's like you're saying, like when it's the black and white sequences, it like reflects the mood that like, it honestly, like it's so weird. And sometimes it reflects like Robert Downey Jr.'s character's mood. And then sometimes I'm like, no, I'm feeling the same way obvious. Like the score is like a representative of that, but that's just how good the score is. Cause it's like able to do both somehow. And it's like, I don't know. It's a really great storytelling device, like, in general, but it's also, like, a really great, I just want to listen to some Ludwig, like, on my own, like, like. It's, like, all the things with Oppenheimer, it's, like, the things that were, like, oh, it's so great, it's so simple, like, we're, like, yeah, music is such a navigation of, you know, how they're feeling, and it's, like, it should be a given for movies, but I don't feel that way about how things are utilized like this in every movie. I agree. Sometimes like score, like I listen to a score and I'm like, this has nothing to do. Like it's it's a good score, but like it's not really going along with what we're watching. It just feels like they're like, oh, this would be really cool for this. Yeah, like that's mm-hmm. the thing is Ludwig's really good about like, I don't know, because like I just rewatched Tenet and Meredith, you watched Tenet. I watched Tenet for the first time, actually. How did so. you feel? Well, I felt very confused um, yes. <laughs> the movie as a whole. Um, but yeah, I didn't realize that was his first time or that was the beginning of the Ludwig, uh, yeah. Nolan relationship. So, um, funny enough, cause Hans was doing Dune. Dune, which we Thanks can that. talk about next year is another time because could you imagine an award season with Dune? And no, Austin? I was thinking that like, it would have been miserable if Dune would have been to be, miserable. it would have been too much. Like it would have been. I don't know. It wouldn't give us the exciting category. We'll talk about now visual effects because we would know that Dune Part 2 would be winning this locked and loaded. Um, But I feel like there's actually a race here. Like I feel like so because Oppenheimer is out it's Poor Things won the BAFTA and it's not nominated and it beat the creator Napoleon Mission Impossible and Guardians which are all nominated. And then Visual Effects Society, creator, won multiple awards. But the thing to note is that Napoleon and Godzilla lost all of their categories. So I feel like Napoleon would have won at BAFTA if it was going to win. But then my only downside is that they tend to go with, like, the Best Picture nominee. And there isn't one at the Oscars. And I feel like Napoleon is the best representative of that. And that's what the whole argument has been, is that, like, it's the one that feels the most representative of that. It has the production design nomination. 
And like Poor Things probably won the BAFTA because one, they love Poor Things, but it was like a Best Picture nominee. So I, I think that <laughs> there's an argument for the creator because it's just like a visual effects, like knockout, like even if you don't like the movie, like the visual effects are so incredible. The Visual Effects Society really went for it. It could be Napoleon because like it could just be like this, the production design visual effects tie-in is just so strong. Or the Godzilla passion is just so much that it wins. Yeah. And like it didn't win. Um, It was only nominated for one Visual Effects Society award. And it was like the um, cre- like the character creation. And that went to Guardians of the Galaxy, which like, I'm okay. sorry, every single person walked out of there talking about Bradley Cooper. And that wouldn't have mattered if he looked bad, like. And I feel like that was, like, 50% tie-in of the performance also. Like, but I'm, like, I just think that there's an argument for so many films in this category. But, like, I feel like this is the one that I'm, like, maybe the passion is just so strong for Godzilla. And, like, Godzilla's never won an Oscar. Like, Well, people were saying at the Bake Off that, like, the clip they used was just, like, what really got people. So I'm, like, I think that's the key. And that's why I moved it up one. Because, like, none of, like, these other four, they're just, like, they're not bad. It's just, like, what are we doing? Yeah, like, I, the creator was fine. The effects were pretty good. Guardians of the Galaxy of the Marvel movies that came out last year, that was easily the best one. And Rocket as a whole is just a visual marble. But... Yeah, I am team Godzilla, you know, like it, it it does feel like the little engine that could that this is, you know, Japan's uh, Godzilla movie that like, A, it's just great. But B, like the spectacle and scale of Godzilla, the creature itself is just so well done. Um, and it doesn't look like kitschy or anything and I got to see it like the black and white version of it and I thought it was just like the coolest thing and I'm not the biggest Godzilla fan so I really I really hope the passion wins out here otherwise I would go with the creator probably yeah I I it's just like really reminiscent honestly of the ex machina year where it's like it was like a low budget film it was a surprise and it just like had a lot of passion so I feel like And that's, like, the one year that breaks the stat of the production design visual effects tie-in. So I'm, like, maybe that's, like, our indicators. Like, it's, like, a low-budget film. It's, like, so shocking what they pulled off for the visual effects. And there's a lot of passion for it. Like, I I think that also if people saw the Godzilla trailer, like, the new one, like, the Godzilla Kong... Oh it my gosh, only, yeah. It would only help be like, wow, what they did is so impressive and Godzilla minus one. Like, I don't know. I don't want to speak for anybody. Um, I do think that Mission Impossible is like five in this category because I just, I think it kind of has the same conversation, honestly, of um, what people say about Nolan and visual effects where he's like always talking about how it's practical and like all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, like Tom Cruise is out here telling us like, I really did jump off that motorcycle and I'm like why would I move like it's like I know there's visual effects in it but like if you're out here yelling at me that it's not visual effects like that's gonna be in my mind like telling the truth who has the real story 
who has the real story and where is John Wick for? Where are the trains? Are they real? Are they here? Also, okay, hear me out. The train is a really impressive scene when they're like on the train. When they're outside of it, it's like glaringly obvious it's visual effects. So I'm like, you know what movie didn't feel like that? Oppenheimer. When he's. But we couldn't be bothered to nominate it. It's just so silly that if Oppenheimer was here, it would have broken or like tied for the all time nomination record. And it would be looking at like so many wins because of course it would win if it was here. It's so frustrating. Well, they could have filled out all the best supporting actors from the movie. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh. But I guess moving on to another oppie category, film editing. I feel like this is Jennifer Lame's Oscar sign sealed delivered, honestly. Like I I think the only other person there's an argument for is Thelma, and I don't think it's going to win because I think it's the same argument as the Irishman where people are like, it's too long. Yeah, I mean, Anatomy of a Fall would be really fun because I that think... That would be cool. It would be so good. Like, that film was, like, I went to the live reading and, like, them reading the script, and then you're, like, picturing how the different perspective, like, think, like it's always when someone reads a script and then you don't notice, like, the little things that they do for the perspectives and just, like, the whole narrative around Sandra and Samuel and like creating this presence of Samuel even though like we only see him one time in the movie but like everyone is like oh no we can't speak on behalf of him that was probably the most annoying part of the film was like he's dead and we're protecting this dead man who's not there to speak for himself but like you know there's like those little elements of how they're able to build a presence of a character based off how they shape the story and like the importance of shaping a story which like almost like the fableman's teaching us about editing a given um like that would be really fun here thank god it's not poor things because they need to chop off 45 minutes of the film (laughs) um (laughs) that's just me i was like what is the fourth or the fifth nominee in this category and then i thought was that um but i think just jennifer lame coming in editing three hours of a film where like you can't even choose like what your favorite sequence is because they're all my favorite sequence. Like I would rewatch that film multiple times. Usually with the film, I'm like, oh, I want to rewatch it for this specific moment and then I'll turn it off. It's like I would rewatch the entire three hours because every like is so condensely edited and it's just so full of life and just how do you make three hours feel like it's nothing? That's the thing. I just feel like I don't know. It feels like oddly like so rewatchable and it also just feels like it really like flies by and like I it's like I was like the third time I saw it I was like when do I go to the bathroom and I was like I don't yeah. know because like yeah like it just like it also like really like blends together really well like the story like really just like flows and it doesn't feel like this like really like despite having like these multiple timelines and like multiple perspectives it doesn't feel like segmented like it's just like I don't know like really flows and that's all her Meredith do you think it's hers or bust or do you think it's totally hers or bust (laughs) like the fact that this movie is edited to make three hours fly by I haven't felt that way since Avengers Endgame which I'm a Marvel girl I love those movies like Avengers Endgame I can rewatch at any point because like I just think it goes so quickly this movie in particular there is like no weak spot like 
I have only felt like a little bit of dullness right after like uh, the Trinity test, but like it immediately just goes into that third act perfectly. Well, also like, like that too of like she has to keep it up after whatever. the explosion. Yeah. Like climax of the film when the climax of the film is Jason Clark yelling at Oppenheimer and like that's the real build up. So it's even like keeping people's attention spans to the second half of the film with where they're like, okay, like we did it. Like, let me leave and go home. Like it was just mm-hmm. a lot of work. And she'd be the third woman in 24 years to win this category. Which is insane. Amazing. The people on TikTok that were trying to tell me the editing category is often female skewed. And I looked it up and it was not. It's so- literally just Thelma. It's Thelma. Yeah, just Thelma. This other woman. And I was like, two? <laughs> Like, amazing representation, guys. <laughs> like, amazing. We're not talking about costume design, because that I would believe that. Yeah. Not. So, great win. Great wins all around. Beautiful gowns. Speaking of a category that's never women, um, cinematography. Pouring uh, out for Rachel Morrison, our favorite nominee of all time in this category. Um, but I also think this is this could be really interesting or it's just straight up Oppenheimer like is my thing like I'm either like way overthinking it and making it competitive or it's just Oppenheimer because BSC went to poor things it won over Killers of the Flower Moon Oppie and Maestro ASC is tomorrow and the noms are five for five with the Oscar I kind of think I might go to Killers of the Flower Moon I think it's I think ASC goes to Killers um, and then BAFTA went to Oppenheimer, which is funny to me because I'm like, poor things like overperformed at BAFTA. And then like it won BSC, but they went Oppie because I'm like, the Oppie train is just so strong. I just, I think it's honestly just Oppenheimer and like everything else has been like a spread the wealth between like the guilds that are it's like yeah. at. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think I this think, is? I think tomorrow is killers because because like i feel like you can't deny rodrigo Prieto. well and it's kind of like a like he has two movies like two, of the year yeah like, it's like an honorary like versus like this specific but i do think killers of the flower moon is like some of his best work which is so is. impressive like I but like like the next roger deakins yeah because like, like that scene yes. of um the field on fire with the silhouettes it's just like in my mind for all time and I also think that movie, like, the cinematography is really, like, it kind of acts as, like, I don't know, like, it, like, really tells the story that you're not, it's not being, like, written out or, like, spoken. And I think that's yeah. so crucial to, like, like, specifically his mind and his work. His, yeah, his camera work is definitely something that, like, I feel like only a cinematographer will pick up. That's why I'm, like, the ASCs, it makes sense. Because he's kind of, like... They're not forcing you to watch what's happening, but it's kind of like having a stark realization about what is unfolding in this little like evil town. Um, mm-hmm. It's like this. Let me tell you, Robert De Niro, so scary in this film, which also goes back to the production design because they purposely made like the environments he is in like like darker and like more kind of like that because they're like he needs to be believable that he is terrifying and i feel like that also speaks to like the camera work of like you're literally like placed in the center of evil and you're just like forced for three hours to sit and 
process that in a way that's not like exploitative either of the tragedy that happens um and I just like I love what he was able to capture here because it's not just like landscapes which you know could easily happen filming in the plains of Oklahoma um and just like the way that the camera goes through like the explosion of the house and everything um so I definitely see a case of him winning ASC tomorrow because of rumblings I'm hearing but I think Oppenheimer is a part of the larger narrative at the Oscars yeah I think it's just oppies um speaking of an award that is just oppies supporting actor (laughs) I do want to say if I were voting in this category I would vote for Robert De Niro Arjunia was so scary. <laughs> He's so scary. He, like, I don't know, especially, like, rewatching it, it's, like, there's all these subtle things he does that, like, I really picked oh, up on, and I... Of all the nominees, and I'm, like... Yeah, he's terrifying. terrifying. Um, But, Meredith, I feel like this is your category supporting actor. Like, you have Ryan Gosling, you have... RDJ, like, how do you feel headed into this category? I mean, I feel a lot of things about this category <laughs> because, um, as mentioned earlier, I am a Marvel girl. Uh, I am Team Iron Man or Die. I have known Robert Downey Jr.'s talent for years. In fact, my dad and I were talking about the other day his performance in Charlie Bartlett, which is an underrated film. He is so good in that. I I'm- love that movie. <laughs> It's so good. Oh my gosh. Anton Yelkin, RIP. So sad. So sad. But he has been a good actor. I love that everybody is like, oh yeah, he's so great. I'm like, yeah, he has been good. I don't love his narrative currently about hating on his time at the MCU because like some of his best stuff was in the MCU too. Like that first Iron Man movie talking about Avengers Endgame. Also- the whole thing of him saying all that like and i'm not a marvel girly but like where was he in the scope of movies until he was doing iron man like he had really not been as present as he ever was before like i feel like he really fell victim to like like not dvd like straight to dvd but like just movies that like didn't hit and he was always like a supporting actor and like iron man like capitalized and like his personality and like gave him like that leading man aspect again and like i don't think christopher nolan would have been calling him had he not been iron man to be completely honest which yeah and also i kind of love this symmetry of like christopher nolan changed the way that like we like how superhero movies could be done with this dark knight trilogy yes. and then that also was paired the same like the dark knight came out in 2008 and iron man also came out in 2008 and they both represented a spearhead of like the superhero uh subgenre like really taking off and people taking notice of it and i don't think talking down on it like the, the fact that the two of them are together this way is kind of like this beautiful, like full circle moment in my mind. Um, and I think there's a way that they could continue to highlight that. But so what I want to say about Ryan Gosling, because I have been on the Ryan Gosling train this whole time. I think he is exceptional in Barbie. And this is my... Uh, 
violin moment going down with the ship with Ryan Gosling because I was all in on him and SAG sealed the deal that he was not going to win. So my consolation is him performing I'm Just Ken live. And I think we're all winners from that, you know? Um, but I think it's a bummer because he's so good and he plays Ken with a sincerity that's not like dopey but then like as he you know learns about patriarchy and you know horses or whatever like the way that he like switches and you feel for him but he's so hilarious which I mean Grant Gosling has been hilarious and I just think like comedic roles deserve more recognition because I think it is really hard to be funny and Ryan Gosling he just like oozes comedy the fact that when the remixes of I'm Just Ken came out in December and just him putting on the glasses he just like immediately transformed into Ken again the first ad that we got for the Oscars with him in his Kenuff sweatshirt he is he is Ken and I adore it so much. It should be his first Oscar. But I do think Robert Downey Jr. is overdue. And I will be very happy for Tony Stark when he gets his when he gets his statue. Yeah, I hope he gives I think like he'll course correct and give a really good speech. It's just been like really like a weird thing to watch his like his Golden Globe speech was really good. And I feel like ever since then, he's been like putting down people like not even just people, but like Marvel and like his yeah. career. Like, and so- I'm just like, what are you like? You wouldn't be getting this like big like, like obviously he's good in the movie, but like I just feel like part of it is like the narrative around him, like what he kind of has done for like popular cinema and like getting people back to theaters, and like it's 100%. amazing that it's like with Chris Nolan, who you could say like revived the rated R drama business, yeah. and it's like. Why are you, like, shitting on what, like, got you to this moment? Like, I haven't seen any of the Iron Man. I really haven't seen him play Iron Man ever. But, like, I'm just, like, everybody regards it as, like, a really great performance and, like, something only he could do. And I'm, like, so why are you, like, actively shitting on it? And, like, I'm so sorry, but Chris Nolan would not be calling you to do this if, like, you had not been, like, brought back to the forefront of acting and celebrity conversation, like, without Iron Man. And, like, I, like... I don't know like I it's really weird and like he's really lucky that he's just so far ahead that like if he if he had had some steep competition like I do think like honestly every actor in this category has a discussion around why they should win but like nobody else is gonna win but like if there was like a 50 50 like I really think him talking shit like this would have pissed off a lot of people and it would have cost him the Oscar because like that how many people got to work on these like amazing films but below the line actors like on all these marvel films and you're just like oh like i'm so happy he wants to make me a serious actor like i haven't done that and so i'm like what are you doing like and if you think about it like a lot of people think marvel has fallen off i cannot comment because i have not seen any of like any of them but People associate his departure with, like, that was the last time I felt like it was really great and, like, tight storytelling and, like, well. And I'm, like, 
you you have the distance. Nobody's blaming you for like the the what is the movie that came out with um that egg visual effect? Oh my gosh, the Ant Man. But nobody's blaming him. Nobody's blaming him for that. Like it's like I I it's just like the weirdest thing, and I just really. It's the whole Charles Malton being like, I love Riverdale. I'm like, there's no reason to shit on the work you did because yeah. you're, shitting, you're shitting on everybody who worked on it. And I just find it really icky. And like the people who watched it. Like, yeah, and who, who's is, paying like, for your cool suits and nice shoes, Robert Downey Jr.? It was the people who saw you in Iron Man. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. It really bothers me. And, like, I think it'll be cool to say he has an Oscar. I think he'll give, like, a great speech. Like, I think, like, he'll emotionally, like, do so. Like, I mean, like, it's a big moment, like, for not even just him. Like, honestly, like, his family. Like, it's, like, this yeah. Hollywood story. But I'm just, like, it really bothered me. And I was, like, I'm not even a fan of those movies. And what you're saying is, like, I just don't like when people. And it's not, like, it's not like he was in, like, like some fucking netflix rom-com like it's like you are in something that like people think is great like yeah it's not let's not forget he his movie in 2020 his first movie after avengers endgame was little (laughs) let's not forget like Um, you could have just kept doing that but you didn't and i'm pretty sure chris nolan didn't watch doolittle and be like let me call this guy up like well, what I will say is it's interesting that at the beginning of awards season, like he had a really great actors on actors interview with Mark Ruffalo, which they I love that they're both nominated. They are my science bros because they both were, you know, in the Avengers like and he, Robert Downey Jr. was really key and bringing in Mark Ruffalo to replace Edward Norton when he was the Incredible Hulk for that one movie. All and right, yeah. But, like, the reverence they had in that conversation and how they were able to talk about their experiences with Marvel and Mark, to his credit, really giving a highlight to, you know, like, if Iron Man failed, there would be no MCU. It was the biggest gamble for them to make that movie uh, because he was a B-list character in the Marvel universe and with this washed up act well not even washed up actor he had been in and out of rehab he was not doing well he was not a bankable star and yet John Favreau had so much faith in him and I cannot wait for when we uh the casting uh category goes into effect because Sarah Finn deserves an honorary Oscar for the mammoth work that she did with Marvel and casting those the infinity saga because nobody else could have played Robert or nobody else, but Robert Downey Jr. could have been Tony Stark. And she saw that and she fought for him. And so I, I will be singing her praises for years. And so like, even if Robert Downey Jr. does that, I will be doing Did that. She cast everyone who's in like the original Avengers. Yes. They she should definitely everyone. do like a special, like, I don't even know if like honorary is the right term, but like something like she deserves her own like award in her name, honestly. Literally, like, an achievement. <laughs> they should in name casting. the casting achievement like after her. That's crazy. I want to know what John Favreau thinks about his comments. He- oh yeah, yeah. he'd be so heartbroken if like that's what's um Jillian pointed this out um on her TikTok and on Twitter, but like 
the the difference between Bradley Cooper talking about the hangover, hangover. and Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm sorry, like he did a um QA that was moderated by Jennifer Garner to be like, I was on alias. Like, I'm like, how come this man is out there like losing, losing his three Oscar nominations? And he's like, I would do a hangover four. I'm like, I just I don't know. I'm like John Favreau, like I like, look at all this stuff that they accomplished together. I'd be really hurt to, like, I don't know. It's just, like, it was just the weirdest thing because his Golden Globe speech was so good. And he just, it was like, so good. did he get too caught? Con- I, I don't know what it is, but I was, like, bro, someone needs to. And then the Mel Gibson of it. I was, like, I get it. Like, you have this connect, like, this very personal tie. But, like, I don't know if I would be name dropping Mel Gibson in a positive light. I think um, it's valid to be upset with like maybe you're put in a box for yeah probably to, and I think a lot of those actors feel that way of like how caught up they were with this schedule like their whole like they couldn't really do anything and a lot of them you notice are having a hard time transitioning like post Marvel and he got really lucky with one flop and then like to be in a Chris Nolan film so it's like also that part is interesting of how he's been able to fare compared to like Chris Hemsworth or like Chris Evans and like Scarlett Johansson's like being pretty successful but a lot of them are not translating that over even like I honestly like would have nominated him for Iron Man or Avengers Endgame because I think oh my gosh yes in the scope of what he was doing like he understood the task and it felt very heartfelt and it felt very real so it's also like that's interesting because I feel like a lot of people were making cases for him to be nominated for those, you know, movies that are not like your traditional, like, you know, after the Disneyfication of Marvel, I think it went really commercial, but I think like what he was able to bring uh, with John Favreau. So I'm like, what is John Favreau? Where is John Favreau? <laughs> was, did he name him in his SAG speech? Like, he I did it, know. did he? Wasn't, it was just like actors and then like his yeah. wife right i just feel like very heartbroken if like i built something with you and then yeah you, and like john favreau's doing like star wars now and is like pretty mm-hmm. successful and like building that out so it's just like it's interesting like i think you can be mad at current day marvel but like and like, like i think what like, you're saying is really true about like the box like like i think like a lot of people especially like people who don't like marvel like judge marvel actors and it's like i think for people like our age it's like easier because like i know of all these actors before they did all these like i have that but like people who like are like younger and like this is their first entry to like a mark ruffalo or it's like they don't have that background of like knowing their full filmography and like what they were doing before Mm -hmm. like not everybody knows that sebastian stan was on gossip girl yeah. Oh my gosh, what a tragic <laughs> world that, like, a tragic thing that some people it, don't know that. I feel like RDJ and ScarJo are probably, like, the only two where people, like, knew them before. Or yeah. Their filmography and, like, without isolating them to one thing. Because, like, I can watch them in anything and see them as the characters that they are being. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. everyone else in that world, I'm like, no, you are Captain America. Like, there's no crossover. Uh, well, I can do that with Chris Evans a little bit and definitely Mark Ruffalo because my first exposure to him was 13 going on 30 and just like heaven like I knew him in rom-coms before I knew him. Also his uh discussion about um 
like rom-coms like and, and stuff I was like okay like once again where is this conversation with RDJ well yeah. does Mark Ruffalo bring up like has he brought up Marvel he has yeah but like a couple well, times not like a lot but I think it was really like I think it's really strategic when he does it yeah mm-hmm. I mean I feel like Mark Ruffalo is like also very like cognizant of like like he had was a failing actor even though like people knew he who he was and it was like films like Jane, it was directors like Jane Campion that like resurrected him and then he you know happened to get into the MCU and then you know now he's like he want he who was that person like Mark Ruffalo is like not relevant, but it's like and then he won an Emmy like two years ago or you know things like that. It's just like he's been around and like I feel like he's more cognizant of like how his words mean. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's been one of the weird parts of seeing that evolution of like something that you yourself. I remember so many press and media tours where he really took the responsibility with Kevin Feige and with John Favreau of like creating something. So it's like I couldn't imagine how like Kevin Feige and John Favreau and like any person that were was working with them behind the scenes and like just seeing someone that you took a chance on and like about to reach one of the biggest moments of their career um outside of like the box office. It's just like, yeah, I didn't really care for that. <laughs> I really hope he turns it around with his Oscar speech. I, I really hope he is able to acknowledge all of it, or at least like he should not only thank his wife and thank Chris Nolan and, you know, his managers and all that stuff, but like should genuinely thank John Favreau for Get doing John Favreau on the line right now. Have him present. Oh my God. You know the results. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyway. Speaking of another category, we know the result, supporting actress. I yep. think, like, I haven't, like, looked at it enough, but I'm pretty sure Divine Dre Randolph has swept more than any other supporting actress contender, like, in the history of the category. Honestly, probably any acting category, to be honest. Like, I... So I feel like there's always like a shaky part in the beginning. Yeah, where- like yeah. one every single thing. Like I yeah, I mean, I really thought that was gonna be Daniel Brooks, to be honest. Like I walked out of that movie and I think that is undeniable. And then I guess it was very deniable for people. I don't know if it's just like the movie didn't work and like I think it's the overall movie. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but poor one out for Danielle Brooks because I think yeah, she's absolutely she was great. Incredible. I do want to say. With my Diet Coke, cheers to Jodie Foster. Um, Nyad is almost unwatchable, but her performance is just amazing. Specifically so when she drinks the Diet Coke. What is it? What was the quote that we... You're like, so Nyad. It was like, is it you were so Nyad? Yeah. Or like, you're so, you're Nyad, so Nyad to me. You're so Nyad. No, you're so Nyad to me. Like, what does that mean? Um, I can't believe I watched the movie. Um, but I like. Does anybody else have anything to say about supporting act? Like, I mean, she'll Divine, give she'll yeah. give the best speech. Like, I'm pretty sure she'll give the best speech of the night. I'm I'm so excited for her to go back to Only Murders in the Building season four after this. Well, that it's is- funny that like she's like with 
Meryl Streep and I'm like you're with all the like you are one of like you are one of these legends now like it is so great it's so cool um but I love that like it's like cool we know like where we'll see her next and then it's like like a comforting show so it'll be like exciting to see what like her next film project is that she books after this because I think every director should be trying to call her is how I feel also um Jillian pointed this out, but she is the only person on this entire campaign, like Oscar trail, that has dressed the best at every single stop. And yes, I think that um, where's her press book? Where's her? We're getting the Margot Robbie book, but like, where's hers? Because the look that she had at Film Independent should be, and like the the glasses, the coat, it was so good. I feel like the way she's doing the season is like how you want someone to do the season. Somebody yes. was saying something really interesting about her and Lily Gladstone that like they don't have this like earnest thing where they're like, oh, I'm so it's such an honor to be here. It's like I deserve to be here, and I'm going to be like the most like impressive person in front of you. And it's really mm-hmm. interesting to see women have this like authoritative like state over it whereas like I feel like we always see like younger actresses that like break in and like they're a little older um but it's like I feel like they skipped the whole like it's such an honor to be here like they're just like I I 100% deserve to be in this room and like winning these awards and I think with Divine it's like a lot of it's like the way she dresses is so like movie star like I'm I should be giving a speech in this outfit and like I really her speech is on a piece of paper. Which she gets to business. She's emotional, but she's also like, these are the points I'm going to make. And those are yep. the best speeches because like when she thanked um, Dominic Sosa and Paul Giamatti in her BAFTA speech, like I cried with her, but it was also like, she didn't stop. Like she kept going because she had it. Like she didn't lose herself in the moment, which is also mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I like her speeches have just been so great. Um, lead actor, Jillian's category. Jillian, who you who you got? What if she was like Bradley Cooper? <laughs> the blanket, the blanket. Um, obviously, this isn't best podcaster, so I can't go with Paul Giamatti <laughs> as my winner. But obviously, I'm going with Killian Murphy. I just feel like he's the reason why Oppenheimer works. I think every these fan cams, going back to the fan cams, literally, it all comes back to them. I'm the fan cam of him. I'm just like, how are there people on in our sphere that are like, it's a great performance, but like, I would be really upset if Paul Giamatti like didn't win. And I'm like, I love Paul Giamatti. I love Big Fat Liar. I love John Adams. But it's like, it's one of those performances that Killian pulls off that I'm like, it's so once in a lifetime and it's so specific to him and it's collaboration between him and Chris and just, it's just so, he's balancing like playing a character over 40 decades. He is the smartest man in the room, but also like the stupidest towards the end when you watch it you realize he was manipulating that small room where you like feel bad for him but you're like no he knew he needed to do this in order to like for himself and his selfishness to like move on but he's still always gonna have the pressure of like exposing the world to this new age of everything just like there's so many ways you have to play this but he doesn't over exaggerate he's very subtle it's like the way that he speaks his his whatever accent is going on is like music and it's just like everything is so perfect I have no notes in anything of what he does and 
the relationships he has to have with like each actor of like to expose like this is a very consequential story of who this man was and like how each relationship plays into like how it is cyclical at the end I just think it's it's so brilliant and it looks so effortless in its final thing but you know it's not of just having to balance so many like ideas in your head and how to perfectly execute them it's like one of those performances I watch where I'm like being an actor I think I could do it and then I'm like no I can't I can't do that so he is my number one excited for Paul Giamatti to do the holdovers too because I'm sure we're gonna get more angry Paul in the future and I do really love Jeffrey Wright in this category like every time he speaks I'm like I wish it was a different year because I just like I love a, a Jeffrey Wright speech um love Bradley Cooper but I'm I'm very serious I think that he should have campaigned during the star is born but he was focused on getting a director dom and then when it didn't happen it was too late like the Rami Malek train started but I think that was his last shot at an Oscar. I think he will get a an honorary one one day. I think he'll be like a 19-time nominee. I wasn't, I wasn't ready he, for he is He is the acting version of Diane Warren. Like, he is, like, I don't think he'll win. I think he'll just rack up nominations forever. He'll never win a competitive Oscar. I think the ship has sailed. I think that, I don't know. I just think A Star is Born was like, his best performance other than yeah. i i actually think his best performance is um licorice pizza even though i don't like that movie i, think I do not like that movie but he should have been nominated for the one yeah. scene that he's in. like so he good. just changes like i don't know it's so i want a movie about him like the barbara yeah. streisand of it all like come on and the a star is born connection um but it's, it's there just, it's i i don't know i don't know i it's upsetting I I don't get it. I think I really think the only, like I don't even think that Killian Murphy is just so good that Bradley Cooper had no shot. I think Bradley Cooper's campaign ruined his chances. Like I think that he was the front runner. He was, and yes, you could say A Star Is Born was the front runner when it premiered, but that was all like momentum, and the momentum just shifted. It was very different. I think this is just like the campaign itself curtailed everything with him like they focused on the wrong things the conversations weren't right like the conversation I don't know he's like oh my gosh who's that person where people are like I'm forced against my will to learn new things about this person and there's but like, like it's like yes. you're not it's just like well, like it's just like who's planting these clips from like months ago or like these sound yeah and I'm like I don't know what who's because who's the watching. whole thing of like him crying about um Leonard Bernstein not being with us anymore it's like that was from when literally the weekend the strike ended that was like the first thing that came out for the yeah. maestro and I'm like why are we mad about this now and like at the time it was really well received people were like wow he really respects Leonard Bernstein and I'm like now you're like oh that's so like you guys didn't like I didn't just cry over fucking like Kendall Roy not being the successor like do I know Kendall Roy's not real like <laughs> like I don't understand like I don't know if it was the factors of like maybe the strike and you know that uncertainty and when we're getting people back I don't know if there was a campaign put in place when you know the the distributor watched the movie and was figuring things out 
Like there was and just it was yeah. it's just it it and was just so fumbled that just and then they did like they did like the the orchestra concert after the Oppenheimer one. It was like mm-hmm. it just felt well. That was I, always gonna happen because it's like a, a composer movie. But I like, just like they should have had more things around it. Yeah, and like I don't know. It just always felt like I felt like he himself and Carrie really wanted to be like really like personable but it was like pushed on us as like this prestige thing and i'm like i agree it's like a prestige movie but like like loosen up like nobody wants like this is not 2003 like we are we are evolved like the whole campaign just felt it just felt really like dated and like and it's also it goes into that thing of like they always say like oscar voters never want to be told what to do and it felt really like that and i just someone's yelling at you yeah, and I and like I love Maestro. I actually think it's a great movie. Like I rated it very highly. I really like it and I've rewatched it multiple times and like learned to love it more and more. Like the last time Jillian and I saw it, I literally was like, this is before the Oscar nominations. So I was like, I kind of am growing on the screenplay. Like I think it's really good. It's just like undervalued. And yeah. um, I don't know. Like I think that movie just gets Yeah. I, I just think do hate. Yeah. Or people are focusing on the wrong things yeah. about Maestro instead of the overall experience of it. And just like also his performance is really well done. For him to be to have that transatlantic accent the entire time and to not miss a beat with that, there is so much like rhythm and cadence that you have to keep up while mm-hmm. being in a scene and having emotions play out. Like there's so much at work there that is just like thrown out the window because oh the nose prosthetic nose or whatever or like oh he was like directing habits of his or oh I just learned this thing like that he wasn't sure if he wanted to be a dad when his daughter was born I'm like we are focusing on the wrong things here like literally literally every time you bring up the movie and like someone will just say the nose thing and I'm like did you watch it and like no because of this and I'm like it's just like I feel like there's so many even if, like it's not my favorite movie but I feel like there's elements of it that you just have to accept and go through to appreciate like I like a lot of the quieter moments and I think they're done well because I think like going back to when I think oh I could be an actor and then I watch when like there's a character that's actively listening and still thinking as the camera is on them and it's like they're not just like there's like thoughts going on and it's like okay there's a lot of that that happens in this movie outside of just like his conducting mm-hmm. it was just one of those movies that like you just needed to accept it to move past the things you might not like and I feel like a lot of people just wouldn't I mean there's movies that are fine if you want to go and hate watching it like go ahead like Madam Web like go do that like leave Dakota know? Johnson out of this like this is me now like I was like oh it's a silly time you know and it's like I think this one is like what Kinsey was saying maybe they just didn't know what they had and they thought this one thing and it just pushed people the wrong way and I don't mm-hmm. think that was ever the intention of like the family I don't think it was Bradley's intention like it just felt like someone was like yelling at you of why this should be considered this way and I think you need to let people I mean even like like killers like there's a lot of discussion and embrace dialogue that is like valid and you know about how it's operated and I feel like this one they just like didn't even know where to start the conversation mm-hmm. and like how to 
you know like it literally went from like this is a leonard bernstein celebration to no this is a love story to no carrie mulligan's character felicia is the lead to it's not a biopic don't say that like and it's i'm a, just like yeah. pick a lane like i don't yeah. i don't know it was to me it should have just always been a movie about like them as a couple because like that's how i feel watching it and like yeah. i think Agreed. i do think they're like co-leads like i don't think it's like her movie I don't think it's his movie. I think they're like 50-50 like co-leads. But it's like they just like I don't it was just it just felt so all over the place. And I do think a lot of that is the strike, like Jillian was saying. It's just like really frustrating. Um, but I will say I like all five actors like as people individually. So I'm excited for the first time, like other than last, no, last year it was four out of five. But like, I don't know, like it's exciting to like at least even if you don't like the performances like i love every actor i also minus one i love paul but like not in this scenario i feel like this might be our best dressed lead actor lineup that we probably ever had oh probably. paul is gonna show up in like some suit that's slightly too big the pants are slightly too long like a three-piece ensemble yeah but he goes, listen you know, he's, he's gotta be able to he's gotta throw it off He's putting on his best. He know he knows the room. He's um, like okay. If you were to ask any of these five to sing push like solo camera on them, one one line or like one verse from push, who would you pick? Sterling K. Brown, no question. Okay. Out of everyone on this list. Oh wait, no, no. Oh wait, no. I'm oh, sorry. I'm out of everyone. Out of everyone? Oh. All the men. Not the yeah, ladies. Yeah, all all of the men. I would have done I would say Coleman Domingo would be really like honestly Coleman Domingo would be too he's too attractive like I don't it doesn't work with push because I need someone a little slimy Sterling K. Brown is slimy in American fiction for a bit they make him yeah Robert Mark Ruffalo Mark Ruffalo yeah he'd be great it's funny because I'm just like no Ryan Gosling like he's just too good not him it can't be Ryan Gosling he already did it uh the one that um, has a push. Robert De Niro? Yeah. De Niro. Yeah. Give me he some doesn't know the song. He doesn't know the song. He doesn't know the song. <laughs> He'll be so confused. Um, But I guess, are we all going Killian? Yeah. Yes, which I do want to make one point about Killian. I, like, yes, I do like Paul Giamatti, and I, I do like the holdovers quite a bit, but... I mean, Killian Murphy sets it up in his first scene when he poisons his professor and he really leads you along if like the guy who who almost killed his professor is the one who created the bomb and we experience the movie through him and it is so powerful and the way that he carries the weight of the world in like every single scene that he's in like this is his time I'm very excited for him go get your oscar killian murphy also let's make a peaky blinders movie okay okay me you margo robbie jillian we're all here there steven knight come back like stop okay like don't stop writing popular (laughs) on movies but come back finish i like in on the actors on actors when margo's like no you just rode away on a horse like yes she's like i need to know like it's so funny it was so funny um i will say like with the leading actor my last note i just like again i think it's funny that it's like 
the father of the atomic bomb or a disgruntled teacher professor like at at least like compare it to like at least talk about bradley cooper like embodying a historical icon in his field too like talk about them on the same level as like you know like these once lifetime performances not disgruntled history professor who is depressed and like it's just like a weird I feel like that's where it's the weird conversation and it'll always be like a really good memorable performance and then people like throw in something that it's like but we've like seen that before and I don't like you want someone to lose out on an Oscar over like mediocrity like it is just like make a make a valid comparison yeah I just think a lot of it is like people like Paul Giamatti and like they like all the performance he's done and this is really reminiscent of like what he's so good at over the span of his career and then like Killian Murphy I feel like some people are just like it's not enough and I'm like that's the whole point (laughs) so it's like it doesn't feel like a performance like it just feels like the person and I'm like the movie doesn't work unless he's doing that and I don't know I don't know there's no reason that I mean I know the reason that these men are pressed I will keep it to myself it's the the same argument that was against Austin Butler in Elvis and I think we all know there's this TikTok of like Killian Murphy and Oppenheimer and it's just someone staring with blue eyes (laughs) it's like Robert De Niro and the Irishman like so okay moving on to i think of the most exciting category of the night lead actress what meredith what are you what are you thinking oh my gosh so as of now at the time of recording (laughs) i have lily gladstone uh winning for uh lead actress i think the narrative behind her is a lot stronger and I think a lot of the critiques that or the discussions that have been raised about killers has been in service to her in the sense that like we wish we had more time with her saw more of her perspective in it and in that way it generated more love towards her which I agree honestly but also Marty was making an American crime story his way and I'm happy with the results overall. I do wish we had more Lily Gladstone and that's only continued throughout award season. I think the fact that she has been so pro talking about like the strikes, she has been um, so supportive of, you know, like her, fellow nominees the fact that like she talked about like her friendship with Emma Stone now like there's just a lot of goodwill towards her that just like hasn't gone away and I also think it would be a really good move of the Academy to award um her being the first uh uh, indigenous American actress in a leading role like this um I just the fact that it's taken this many years to not only have a front runner like this, but to also win it would be like a huge win for, you know, diversity and not that this is a diversity win, but I, I genuinely think she is worthy of the win as well. So 
Lily Gladstone, I'm all for you. And also I liked what you said earlier, Jillian, about like, you know, she and Divine have really dressed in a way that they are here and they're they're not like just grateful to be here. They know their worth and they know that they deserve to be here. And like Lily has just carried such a confidence about her from the moment uh can like the film debuted at can like she has just carried that confidence it's crazy she's like she wasn't like an unknown she's just like unknown and like this scale yeah um, until like a lot of academy members but she kind of was like carrying the same confidence as leo the entire time and i'm like that is just like the kind of actress that i want to see rewarded and i'm not saying like emma stone doesn't have that or like anybody else doesn't have that it's just like i don't know like that I don't think people understand, like, and, like, I don't understand, like, the weight of being in, like, a Martin Scorsese movie opposite Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. Like, there's, like, this, like, I don't know. And one of my favorite moments of the entire season was after her speech at SAG, the camera, like, caught John Lithgow being, like, this, that was so good. And I'm, like, every celeb, like, famous actor is, like, tripping over themselves because they're so impressed by her and, like, the way she speaks. And, like, Jillian and I went to a film independent conversation with her. And just, like, I don't know, the way she speaks about, like, filmmaking overall and just acting in general, it's so unbelievably impressive. And I think that, like, women and specifically, like, women of color have to do so much more work to be, like, in these rooms and in these, like, opportunities. And it's, like, I don't know. I just I think that like she's the best example of the kind of actor that I want to see rewarded and something like I personally don't think she's a lead in Killers of the Flower Moon because of her like I don't think the story is structured like her it's not her point of view it's not like it's it's Leo's movie like narratively but like what she does with her screen time what she does with like her presence in the movie is just out of this world and I'm like I like and I love Carrie Mulligan Maestro so much but like I don't know there's just like something about watching Lily Gladstone in Killers of the Flower Moon that is just so special and it's just like these are the kind of performances I want us to reward and somebody had that tweet about um like Killian and Lily as like a pair of winners like it would be such a big moment for like subtle performances and performances that are not yelling and screaming and I'm like that's all any of us really want is like performances that are just like not capital A acting and not that there's anything wrong with that it's just like this is just like this just shows you like acting is so hard like Jillian's talking about you're like I want to be an actor and then you watch someone who's just so good at like just thinking or just being in a moment and like the scenes of her where she has um like her thoughts or like the voiceover it's like she's able to do so much with just like her eyes and she talked about it at our um conversation we went to but um like the stereotype of like a stoic native american and she was like a lot of that is because we don't want to say something to you and just be like you're fucking stupid <laughs> like start some huge fight and i'm like she does she's able to do it with such a way that like I think like specifically every woman watching those scenes is like I know what she's thinking Mm -hmm. and it's like I don't think people know how hard that is like to act that out um Jillian who do you have do you have um do you have Annette Benning? how did you know (laughs) 
still haven't seen Nyad. Um, but my Nyad water bottle is still missing. What if she took it back? What if she heard you didn't watch it? So Annette was like, never mind. I had to I had to get a new water bottle that will never amount to what the Nyad one was. Um you know, I have Lily, which I really at that talk what we went to. Um, because usually like I don't know, I I listen to actor interviews and sometimes I'm just like I don't care or like it's just not interesting and it's like or they reiterate the same points and I think that's why people get so annoyed with like um you know award season or like for us like we talk to a lot of behind the scenes people because it's like generally like those conversations are more interesting to dive into but like there's one once in a while there's like a character that you're like oh I'm like fascinated to know um about that and like hearing Lily speak just like reawakened my soul of just like I don't know so much of how she thinks about acting from all perspectives of filmmaking in general and just like her experience and her experimentalization and like what she brought to this role and how collaborative it was like I couldn't imagine being on a Martin Scorsese set and being like no it actually should happen like this because of you know my experiences and like how that not drastically like how it changes the movie like makes it even better of what was you know supposed to be communicated um so I just really love that aspect of her and I agree like with the points of like her and Devine like I just like they're just they're taking up space that they've rightfully deserved and like they don't have to apologize for it to be in the room and I think like so often with like women um especially like younger women we see that are on these campaign trails of like really having to minimize themselves and like be really like um, not to say Barbie, but you know, in Barbie, when they're giving their acceptance speeches at the beginning, she's like, "I deserve this." Like, it's like, <laughs> yes, oh my gosh, I love that yeah. scene so much. It's like, but it's like I that's how it. we're like, that's how we're all taught to be is like be like over thankful, over like making excuses, like, and it's like I don't know, like they just have this like confidence about like, like especially Davine, like she's sweeping like she is sweeping okay and not once is she like i'm like her sag speech being like i used to be like in the back like i was a background actor i was like an extra and like going on about like it just if you haven't gotten your break it just hasn't come yet i'm like it's just like really like special to see someone have such confidence and like it's like both of them like their first foray into like award season and it's like i don't know like it, it makes me feel so much stronger about the need to see them hold their Oscar. Like, it's just, I don't know. I love it. I'm just. It should be, you know, Sandra should be. It should Sandra be, should be there. Yeah, Sandra, I was going to bring If her it's going to be between two actors, it should be between Lily and Sandra. 100%. And also, we talked about Push Matchbox 20 being added to the mix. I totally am in the camp of they should have the steel drums uh, pimp playing when the you know how they uh, play speeches the, get too long. You know how they play the score like for movies when they win? Are they going to play that like for Anatomy of a Fall? Oh my God, that would be incredible. Okay, the then real I, ones think, would know. I think Anatomy of a Fall should sweep the Oscars. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> just for that alone. Like, oh, you remember like at the Emmys when Ted Lasso slept that one year? And it's like, it's the most annoying theme song ever. And like, they just kept restarting it because they just kept going. The, oh, yes. 
no yeah yeah yeah. and i'm like what who chose this like why is this your theme song but they honestly feels like a very like you know when like you would fall asleep watching dvds and you'd wake up (laughs) and it would be playing like the menu music like it feels like that it was like okay like stop stop winning awards because then they got started all over again like this is why is um is messy going to the oscars i think so messy should be at the oscars messy should present best picture i followed his speech they're in france right now are they gonna fly them back out maybe maybe um so do we all feel good about gladstone or do we because Gladstone, i understand why it's not sandra but it's also sad. So, because Lily missed the BAFTA nomination altogether. Mm-hmm. She won a Golden Globe, but so did Emma Stone. Lily won SAG. Emma won BAFTA. Emma also won Critics' Choice. Which is weird, because Lily won, like, every single Critics' Prize. Like, yeah. So, I'm like, how does, like, the the circular, like, I don't know. I I just feel like if you look throughout history, like even last year, like when BAFTA and SAG split, they SAG is the one that repeats. came out on top. And yeah. basically, yeah, whoever has the latest award, like SAG being the last one, I and think that is speech more during voting, yeah. yeah, and that's the same thing that happened to Michelle Yeoh. Like that was the speech during voting, yeah. Which I loved that Michelle Yeoh went. No offense to Lydia Tarr. I was very happy. <laughs> um, I like Emma Stone. Like it was a very great performance. Like well done. I still would put Sandra over her because, but she does do a lot of physical stuff and like her physical performance as she goes from like childhood to adulthood. Like it is well done. But yeah, I. I don't think Emma Stone has it. I will. It, it will be a surprise if she does win, um, but not like too big of a surprise. I, I guess, think it's like, I feel the... like personally, I feel like it's like 60, like 75, 25 for me of like Lily versus Emma. Like, I feel yeah. like Emma, like, I know the stats are like, no, it's 50, 50. It's like, I just feel like Lily has like. Like like big buildup behind her, and it feels like more of a movement and like this like wide support even without BAFTA. Because I feel like we're getting further and further away from BAFTA being like a great indicator of what is to come. Like I think like all quiet, like completely sweeping. It's like I just think we're like moving further away from it being like make or break. Yeah, like I think it's like a good like oh remember like note this because of the overlap and the voting body i just feel like it's not the science it used to be and i feel like you're like meredith said like sag being the later one and like taking place during voting is just like that's what got jamie lee curtis the oscar like that was the only thing that got her the oscar and i'm like that didn't happen with bafta (laughs) like what I did Barry Keoghan win an Oscar and I forgot about it? Like I, think I don't think so. The, the, the switch of them of yeah, the, it's like we've seen cases where like the BAFTA helped um when it was last and like obviously last year and I think this year we're gonna see again of just that extra push by having SAG with all the actors and people talking about how much they love actors and how actors are so great and especially with like the strike and and Lily being out there the day her movie opened on yep. the picket lines 
Because I'm like, anyone's nominated? Like, were any of them on the strike lines or have any of them acknowledged? Well, okay, and I didn't want to bring this up, but Emma Stone had that whole thing of, like, she was spotted at Telluride and, like, she was spotted, like, she was at New York Film Festival for a short film, but, like, she was spotted at, like, screenings for poor, and I'm like... She was campaigning. (laughs) But, like... Does that, like, weigh on SAG voters at all? Like, specifically SAG? Like, did they think about that? Like, I don't think... I don't think she was, like, breaking rules. I don't think she was doing anything wrong. I'm just, like, is that something they thought about? And, like, Lily was out there actively campaigning. And, like, to your point, like, Margot's not nominated for an Oscar in this category. But, like, she was out there campaigning or, like, striking. Like, there are all those photos of her. a sensitive subject since, you know, like, what you know how tumultuous the back and forth of the negotiations were and like the scabbing and like you know all that stuff I'm sure it was like it's a sensitive factor into for this year um I'm just having that extra like that extra boost and I'm sure it's the same thing with the writers of people like acknowledging it because even like people were complaining about how like the A-listers were not like striking with them and all of that so i'm sure there's like definitely- that's why barbie should win best picture because margot was out there out there she was out there <laughs> in her t-shirt <laughs> t-shirt her rolled up t-shirt um sure i guess a- yeah i guess we can move on to the writers now um adapted screenplay jillian i have a American- your truth I have American fiction winning because and she has had it for had it there for decades. <laughs> um, because you know, I think again, like we were talking about, like how interesting the mark. I understand why the marketing for every award show is Barbenheimer, and then people are like, "Oh, they're in the same category." It's obviously like between them. Like I see people putting Oppenheimer as their predictions. It could happen. It could happen. It could happen. But it's like it just doesn't for neither of the films. It does not feel like strong here and adapted and like Corey Jefferson wrote on succession he's a writer he is one with the people. he feels like the you know how we always get like a cool and I do think the original screenplay fits this too but like you know how like Jordan Peele one in screenplay yeah. Taika Waititi one in screenplay there's always like a cool like cool like new, outsider yeah type of person and like to me it like makes the most lot it's never the person you expect who's like overdue or like should be winning even though I think court should be winning but it's like just that pathway of and it's like a movie that's like about writing (laughs) (laughs) like I so and it won BAFTA it's only nomination American fiction won the BAFTAs and like I really was like is that too American and they were like no but that's how I felt with the holdovers and then the holdovers kept winning so i don't know anything about baftas i guess um hear me out everybody thinks barbie is number two and i kind of do too but what if it's the zone of interest yeah i feel like barbie's just like you know (laughs) i don't think it would be the zone of interest based on what i've heard because i have not read the book but based on my friend who has read the book, the book is like skews, a romance. Like, yeah, it skews so. That's not what 
I was it, very... it wasn't an adaptation. It is their. It is an interpretation. But that's the same thing I've heard about American fiction. Like everyone I know who's read the book, um, what is it called? Erasure. Erasure. Everyone I know who's read it did not like the movie, like at all. They were like, "This is not what the book is going for." And, but I mean, I haven't read Erasure, but like, I like, I like the screenplay of American fiction. Um. But I I personally would vote in this category based on the way things are adapted and like the changes made and like the like um uh like keeping the source material faithful. But like I think I just think there's like a and it's not just me, I think there is like a conversation about the zone of interest being like not just international feature. And I'm like, what if enough people vote for it and they're not going to do it and director like i think director is chris nolan's like they could do that award first to be on like i like it just feels so like sewn up um, i really think the zone of interest is like two or three in picture to be quite honest like i think the zone of interest is way up there and i think that there's a conversation about the timeliness of the zone of interest and jonathan glazer has campaign in a really interesting way where he has done all these like tech podcasts and interviews and Q&As and he's done like I don't know there's been a lot of focus on like the story they choose to tell and I'm wondering if people may put that as a screenplay work versus directing yeah even though I would give him director but I will say, I think it would be so sick if Barbie pulled it off here. I would even though it's originally, I would personally love if Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach walked on that stage to accept. Uh, also, how cool would it be if Greta and Noah won and then original also went to a couple? I mean, that would and be one for the books. For sure. And then Pitcher also goes to a couple. All the couples. Night of love. So we love love. I think there's uh, also a short film that's like a couple yeah. is nominated. Yeah. Let's just do all couples. All the couples. All the couples win. Not a couple. Yeah. You can't win. I am saying this because this feels like my eulogy to Barbie. <laughs> um, oh. Which is so sad because like it's Barbie ended up being one of my favorite movies last year. And it's my least favorite Greta Gerwig movie. But yet I love it entirely. I just think the way that the two of them crafted this script is just they could have dropped the ball so easily and in so many places with Barbie. And to me, they didn't. They kept rising above what I expected and they gave something that was so profound and genuinely hilarious. And it is so hard to do that, especially with with a toy which i mean we have seen this with the lego movie obviously they have proved that you could do this but to see them do it at this scale with this script i just it's unreal and greta gerwig is long overdue for an oscar in my book even though she only has just been in like on the scene writing directing since like 2016 i get it but like or 2017 one of those years point is I 
Greta Gerwig, I love you forever. I wish you were also nominated for director. I right now think that Oppenheimer, Chris Nolan could get another Oscar that night just for the Oppenheimer sweep. Do we think also- three? What if it's I think fourth- he could. I really think he could. It's not it- poor things. <laughs> what if, what if? Oh my gosh, if yeah. it was poor things. My only thing with if, like- If it's poor uh, things, the screenplay categories are- invalid we can't trust them my only thing with Greta is that like I personally out of her three films like Little Women the most and oh yeah like, that's my fave that, that's my favorite but so also but like, also off. like can Barbie pull this off over you know a hot up and coming yeah fiction? which that's my only like also note. can we just talk about how funny it is every single time Greta's like <laughs> lost an oscar for a screenplay it's because there's like a hot up-and-comer like, yeah it's literally it's like jordan cool. peele taika waititi and then like court and it's like all people not taika all people that like like i'm happy that there's an oscar in rita aura's house but i think it should be hers personally yeah but- i but I think I am now of the train, Jillian. You have convinced me I am probably going to switch to Court Jefferson. Because I think he'll conviction. also win WGA. But it's just yeah. like, this whole thing is so complicated because Barbie's an original in so many places and then not the Oscar. Like the yeah. Oscars adapted. It's so weird. Like it won original CCA. It's original WGA. It's like it was original BAFTA. Like I'm just like... What does it mean? What do you mean? Like, not to be Jennifer Lawrence, but like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, me on, this, me on this American fiction tour and watch it be like Oppenheimer. It'd something. be really funny if you've been predicting American fiction for months and then it's Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. And then it's going to be funny. I just switched it to American fiction and then watch it be Oppenheimer. But like, she's going to, she's going to roll up to your apartment. She's going to be like, listen, you ruined my prediction. <laughs> You know, what, if she goes, your door. what if she goes 22 you 22 out of 23 and the only one she loses <laughs> you know what the only one like even like we know who's winning like the acting categories i just feel really confident that it's american fiction for i don't know it's just like also like out of all the people in this category like yeah like greta and like Christopher but Greta and Noah feel like original screenplay winners to original me. Screenplay does that make though. like they don't feel like like adapted Adapt. screenplay winners like yeah like he adapted his childhood trauma <laughs> is that an adaptation like, i adapted my diary yeah like, that count? but like he adapted it, his divorce case files or that's adapted screenplay they just yeah they seem like original screenplay people and like i just feel like if core jefferson out of the three of them are in a room i feel like people most likely will flock to core jefferson's personality. well i think yeah like not not to be he was to- really nice to jillian he was very nice. nice he's very humble i think it's like a win people like to see i think the bafta was an indicator i think when the wga everyone loves success what if what if i am right though what if it is Okay, can we just say if the, Jonathan Glazer wins an Oscar, I will, everyone in Los Angeles County will hear me react. Oh, yeah. The city, it'll be like a siren. Like, 
I'll cause an earthquake. I'll cause the big oh, one. You'll, you'll cause the next <laughs> on the telecast. They'll they'll be reacting to it. It's like no, no I no, won't no, get to see a speech. I won't get to see a speech because the stage will fall apart. Um, like when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and then oh they my did- gosh, Bradley Cooper. Um, Hi. Uh, moving on to original screenplay, which I feel like is very sewn up and is just anatomy of a fall. Yeah. Also, like, it makes sense for both of these categories to be won by, like, quote-unquote new people, new hot people, and not, like, the legacy filmmakers in all of their categories. Um, See, my thing and is, that that is I why I would like Celine Song or Sammy Birch to also win. This so, is really weird that the only one I don't want to win is The Holdovers, and I feel like The Holdovers is actually number two. So for every reason that you just said for Anatomy of a Fall, that is why I still have Celine Song as past lives for original screenplay. Because that would be the best moment of the be- whole night. I you talk about screaming if Jonathan Glazer wins an Oscar, <laughs> I will be screaming screaming if Celine Song wins. Because like, yes, Anatomy of a Fall is fantastic. I love that movie and I would love to see Justin Triet like have the, the statue in her hand, but like I just don't know how you walk away from past lives and be like, oh, this is from her actual life. And she wrote this and turned it into a screenplay and made this beautiful romantic drama the way that she did. Like I, I watched it in June and I'm still haunted by it in a lot of ways. And I, to me, that is the, the original screenplay of the year. If Barbie wasn't there, since Barbie's not there and Barbie's not probably not winning i would love to see celine song win this but i will not be mad uh when anatomy of a fall wins but i i can't i can't not have past lives in in that slot for me like i just feel wrong to like remove it but i will be happy that a woman will most likely be holding a statue that night so that's a win in my book I just want to ask the question, if Sammy Birch won, do you think we would get the um, Coyote Acme movie? Oh my gosh. Played on stage while she's accepting the award. Yeah. Because, like, release it. I don't know if this is possible. Like, I don't know the legalities of this, but, like, can Netflix have campaigned like that? Like, hey, if you give her the win... It'll put pressure to get the movie yeah. released. I mean, like, I don't know how that, that I mean, I don't know. Well, would, HBO just, uh, Sex and the City is now on Netflix. HBO's loaning out their stuff and putting it there. So, like, there's no reason for them to. Also, I'm still confused. Like, why can the studios not join forces to, like, you know how, like, Titanic was put out by, like, multiple studios like why yeah. can we not do i mean i guess this is not titanic but like it's why not, can it's we not james not, cameron doing like, this i just am confused and like i get it people will be in a movie and they're like this is so great and then like you watch it and it's like they were just because they were in it so they were saying that but i'm like yeah i don't get why it's like testing well everybody who's involved is like it's great like i don't know oh my gosh jillian took a break and we're up to her man Oh her second gosh. man. Her um, second. Director. I think it's completely just Nolan. It, 
It, I mean, it's Chris's time, you know, we talk about narratives as far as like people are long overdue. My guy, my man, Wes Anderson being long overdue. This is, this is Chris Nolan's magnum opus. This is the one he is deserving to win. I mean, I actually, I take that back. There are a lot of movies he deserved to win best director for personally. Um, I still think he deserved it for the dark Knight, and he changed superhero movies forever with that movie um it's still one of my favorites of his even the prestige i'd say even dunkirk honestly like dunkirk is my is the one i would give him the director win for so good i love dunkirk but the the what he did with oppenheimer is truly spectacular and he really did bring the best of the best to bring this to life and under his direction you just saw magic unfold on screen and he really cares about the cinematic experience and being in theaters and like what he is pushing the bounds with with IMAX filmmaking as well like I just think like this is his time congrats to you Chris can't wait to see what you do next like this kid this kid's gonna go places you know (laughs) Jillian (laughs) are you prepared to talk about Chris Nolan. Really excited for him. I think that this is his time that's been coming for however decades he's been around, decades since 90s. Um, I think it's just like, you know, when a director kind of is a culmination of their work, but not necessarily of like, oh, it's a it's a payoff for like what they did. Like last year we get first time directors as winners, or no, second time directors, like kind of still not exploration phase and then this year we get um more of an experienced you know legacy filmmaker and I think it just really shows like best director category has all for the last like since the 2010 if we excuse Tom Hooper has been pretty like exciting and interesting in the routes that they go I think it's definitely out of all the categories the most international one of the leading um like seven and I feel like they just really always pick an interesting choice of like one of their own of who they want to reward so it feels like kind of a weird coming home moment for Christopher like even seeing him finally get a DGA award was really sweet I think it's just like something you watch and you get excited for someone versus like I don't know sometimes it's like you're like this is bad or like why did we do this but it's like I feel like there's nothing there's nothing against him where you're like, this is wrong. I think he has definitely pushed the barriers for a lot of filmmaking in the modern era. And definitely like the Dark Knight kind of changed the Oscars too and just what should be included and you know and what's not included. Um, he made black and white IMAX, like he's a big proponent of movie theaters. He even said, like, we should thank Marvel films for, you know, helping out the box office. I think he's just done a really good job of campaigning this season without it coming across as like I don't know I just felt like Oppenheimer is just such an inaccessible film to like even though it's like a very tragic story to both like film lovers and normal people and like across countries and it just like represents the idea of like what film does um and the power of it and I think it's just a really beautiful note to send him you know to this it sounds like he's dying, but like, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, like, how you make a film after like this, like, it's, it's crazy. Just, it's just like for even, yeah, it's just like I could not fathom like 
what does he do next? Like, mm-hmm. does he go back to space? Does he like, I don't know. Like, where do you go past the? He's atomic- remaking Spaceman. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's just like I don't know. He's always felt like, even though this is a very big budget movie, like in a weird way, in a very pseudo way, he's always felt like an indie filmmaker in his like approach to just being not like scrappy, but like resourceful and just really respecting the people that work with him. And obviously, like these people respect him if they keep coming on. And it's just like when you have all the right elements to come together under your direction and your leadership of what you can achieve. Um, and that's how I felt about like, even like the Daniels last year was like, this is such a director's movie. And so I always feel like with Chris, you can really see his vision where it's not really completed by any other elements if like the production. Cause I think so often we like conflate like cinematography or production design or the visions of like the other people working on the movie. And this one is like, this is a Chris Nolan film in the best way it's for the girls it's for the bros um i personally think that since we know this is sewn up i'm so sorry jonathan glazer in another year this would be your oscar um i think that the the oppen homies should gather to present them or like your tweet about his leading men oh tom hardy like christian bale like I don't know. It feels like Leo. Another, yeah, like it feels like the year that um uh Scorsese finally won, and they had like the pack present to him. It was like I'm yeah. like I don't know. Like it's kind of like last year how like there was like a fifty fifty shot that them having Halle Berry there to present like backfire, but like since it didn't, it was like such a special moment. I'm like, there's no fifty fifty chance here. Like he's winning. Like just do something special. Like mm-hmm. honestly. Actually, you can't because Scorsese is nominated. But like, I don't know. Bring out, do the same presentation. That's uh, Scorsese got Spielberg, Lucas. Oh my gosh, Coppola! Like Coppola has to promote Megalopolis anyway. Like, get him out here. I feel like he's gonna like cry, and I kind of love that because I hate it when it's like because this what like Jane Campion did, and she was like rightfully so. You know, you get your Oscar, but it's like it's they know that they're winning, but like they're still like wow it's happening it's meaningful like and especially like especially chris nolan and jane campion like these are people who like have been in the circle before so like they like and i think that people think like oh like when you know you're losing michael fassbender did an interview where he was talking about this he's like yes you know you're losing but like there's the like you're nominated and you're in it like you're going to all these events like you're doing all this work for it like there is a small percentage of you that always is like well maybe and he's like Um, even though it's like delusional like you he's like when i was nominated was i fifth definitely he's like but like there's always like this like you never know because you're so excited and you know like we talked about this um specifically with pedro pascal at the sag awards i need to see people excited like yeah i like i know you're excited like don't hide it like don't be too cool like killian murphy was so happy to win the sag award like i just need to see people like i don't know like just some emotion especially these people who are like front runners like i'm sure it's exhausting but the oscars like the big one like the final and like i don't think any filmmakers are sitting out there like making movies to win oscars like i don't believe that but like i don't know like there's still some emotion to like getting to this accomplishment like i don't know i think he'll be emotional um but i think the next category is well he'll be the most emotional 
it's really pitcher, I think I think Emma will give the speech. Yeah. Are we all just in agreement that the PGA SAG Ensemble DGA like signed, sealed, delivered, <laughs> wrapped up, just it, this was this was Oppenheimer's to lose. And it did take me a while to get on the Oppenheimer sweep train, especially with Best Picture, even though like one of my favorite movies of last year. I think I've realized that I don't love like I don't like the obvious winner. I like an underdog. And even though last year, like everything everywhere all at once kept winning, it still felt like an underdog because it was such a weird movie, you know, like how is this going to be a best picture? But with Oppenheimer, it seems so obvious that I was like, yeah, but I wanted a little bit more edge. I want there to be a bit more mystery, but like it is such an achievement. It is like a definitive piece of the year of cinema that we got. And so I'm, I am officially on board. I'm officially happy for Oppenheimer when Emma goes up there and makes her speech. Like, it's going to be great. I'm still pouring one out for Barbie just because like Barbie was my favorite movie of last year. And I think it was like such a, it's also such an achievement of filmmaking. And honestly, the true winner of last year was Barbenheimer. Like no one could have predicted just the, the wave that that would would do just for both of these movies and the conversation it's carried all the way through to Oscar Sunday. Yeah. Julian, what do you, this is your moment. This is, this is your your time. This is your Oscar speech. You get to accept on behalf of the Oppen homies. The pressure. Well, it feels great to finally (laughs) be that is popular and not having to fight tooth and nail to be like, this is why it should win. Um, I think it's also going to be really cute to see Emma and Chris on there because I think like so many of the filmmakers that I respect are like wife and husband duos. And like a lot of the time, you know, sometimes the wife isn't as like prominent, like in the spotlight as the man. So it's like nice when there's like both of them get to be recognized together um, for like the equal amount of work they put in. I'm going to be happy for Killian and Chris with their little Oskies, even though like Oskies, Oskies, there's a way that um, Edward Wright says Oscars. I don't think it's Uh, Oskies or something. And I was like, oh, cute. I love it. Um, And I mean, it was even it. I I understand like people are like, oh, this is boring. Like there's not the passion of last year. It's like, but it's like, it's Christopher Nolan. Like he's not a robot. Like he's out here, like making all of these really beautiful films. Like he's put in the work. If like, that's what people want. Like it was a hard film to pull off. They pulled it off in like 56 days again, like all women behind the scenes on most of the HOD roles, except for like four, like it just seemed like a real teamwork event coming together it again it's an accessible film it's still in theaters like it's just taking so many marks but also does not feel like cold or empty and I understand like because it's not like a direct culture of someone it like doesn't have that same cultural aspect but then you know we're living in a post-Oppenheimer world of what it did for the nuclear age and like just you know proxy battles and all of that so it's like it's still the repercussions are still seen today and I don't think Christopher Nolan needs to yell it from the, the skies for people to get the context of what's happening. Um, so I think it's going to be cute. And like, I 
was really rooting for them and I did not have Killian at five like people had pre-SAG and so I'm happy that they've pulled it off even though they were not the underdogs at any point which I also thought that was a weird argument that was put on the table but it's like it's nice when you're like just excited for someone to win and I understand like there's a lot of I think there's passion behind all of these I think it's a great lineup of films and you know anger lineup I think all these filmmakers are gonna like now they're in the realm of culture and the industry and I think you know they're all gonna get their due at the right time of what their next film is um I don't think we're gonna walk away like sometimes people are nominated and they're like we never hear from them again and it's like where did you go Mm -hmm doing now like get back like this is a good group of filmmakers together and i can't complain i my film lost all its oscars last year so let me have something (laughs) yeah i reparations for you julian literally for lydia tar she's in i'm excited for oppy and jillian i am just sad for the zone of interest I really want something. Um, but here's how Ferrari can still win Best Picture. <laughs> a crime Penelope Cruz was not nominated. And Michael yeah. Mann. And uh, the cinematography and the editing and the sound. I, anyone has an overdue narrative. Michael my- Mann. Yeah. Oh, I will avenge you. That's my The Northman origin story. Uh, <laughs> raise your hands. Um, but anyway, I'm excited because I feel like these are a great group of winners for the most part. And even if I disagree with them, I still think they're all pretty much like great winners, unless we're talking about war is over. Because well, it also doesn't feel like 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 um not category fraud, but like if anyone won, I wouldn't be like that is the worst. Yeah, that's a good over. But I wouldn't be like, oh, this is like top 10 worst like yeah yeah we are not in rami malik territory like i love rami malik and i actually think that um his performance in oppenheimer is one of my favorites but the best when he comes in the clipboard the clipboard (laughs) that's me that's me collecting votes for the zone of interest you got a sag right i don't think so what was the point? What was the point of the win? I think I'm pretty sure he has like a shared. I think he's with um Benny Safdie. Oh my! I God. think it's the two of them on take, one. Take it, take it back. I think we need to redo the SAG eligibility for the nominations. But um, to end this super long podcast, Meredith, tell everyone where they can follow you and find your work and also your predicted favorite winner a uh, potential winner oh man so uh, you can find me on twitter and instagram and letterboxd at meredith loftus and as well on blue sky or yes blue sky as well um <laughs> that is right right it's called yeah they changed the photo to like a butterfly yes. and i was yeah. like what is this and then i realized what it was yeah, so that just like threw me for a loop for a second. Um, you can find me there. You can find uh, my writings over at Collider, and then my favorite winner, predicted winner of the night, is easily going to be Wes Anderson. I am so excited for my my quirky, uh, whimsical king. Can't wait for your next one, buddy. And I'm so sorry it took 
a short film for you to finally get a trophy, but you know what? Wonderful story. Wonderful story of Henry Sugar is excellent. So I'm not mad about it. I'm so excited for you. I will, we'll have a little bell to alert the town. <laughs> no, I'm debating if I'm going to wear my Barbenheimer shirt or my Wes Anderson shirt for Oscar Sunday. I'm still You can probably, I feel like the short will be like in the first half and you can wear the Wes Anderson and then change. That's true. And That's outfit true. change. Jillian, let the people know where they can find Killian Murphy's campaign manager to send their thanks, where they can find your work, et cetera, and then your favorite predicted winner. I want to give an update that Rami Malik is included. In oh, the he just wasn't oh. there? Yeah, pretty one that... One of the yell at Kinsey? <laughs> pretty one that was like, what was the point of him being in the movie? If he Did was- he have an and? Like, is he like one of the and or with? I don't think so. Because even in the end credits, he's like one of the first people. He's like four. Remember when we went to that screening and like the applause was the loudest by far for Rami Malek when like the name card came up and we were like, what? It was so, the Killian was the most quiet and then RDJ was pretty loud. And then like when Rami Malek's name popped up, it was like, Spider-Man was in concert. Yeah, it was wild. It was insane. A lot of Mr. Robot fans, I guess. I guess, yeah. And I think it's funny they have I'm looking at the Banshees one, and there's only four people, and everyone else has, like, 20. Anyway. R.I.P. Was Jenny listed? No. <laughs> yeah, Shut up. Um, you can find me and my retweeted fan cams once I learn how to make them, coming in 2024, at Jillian Chili on Twitter and Letterboxd, where I have some great films I'm watching on there. And you can find me on TikTok at Offscreen with Jillian. And I guess my favorite predicted, and then my work is on Offscreen Central. And then I guess my favorite predicted win would probably be Killian, so that we can say that Oscar nominated winner Killian Murphy and be done. Loves it. You can follow me at Kinsvenunu on everything. And uh, my favorite predicted winner. Is the zone of interest an international feature? I would love to say that it's zone of interest in sound, but I don't want to jinx it. Um, and all my work's on Offscreen Central. Um, and you can follow Offscreen Central at Offscreen S-C-R-N Central um, and our site, offscreencentral.com. Um, thank you if you made it this far into this very, very long podcast. Like, thank you. Um, tweet us the word cookie and I'll send you an Austin Butler, Killian Murphy fan cam. I don't know what to say. Um, but that's the show. We hope we helped you with your Oscar predictions and we'll see you after the Oscars. Bye.